Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Folks, if you'd like a personalized copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, shoot me a note at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. For only $25 if you're in North America, plus shipping, I'll shoot you out a personalized copy as well as a personalized 8x10. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Shoot me a note, get a personalized copy. Folks, the tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set. The teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. The last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So, how about it? Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter promo code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this episode 44 of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. 
Good to be with you all again. This week, boy, I tell you this. Do I ever have uh, some hop in my step? That uh, hour, man, the clocks went ahead. The timing couldn't have been better. Uh, by that, I mean, you know, the pandemic will get, get to you, right? Screws with your head a little bit, and I think that's normal. I don't really know. I'm no doctor, but when they talk about anxiety and mental adversity and all that, I think this was a huge test for most of the people on planet Earth anyway. But little things like knowing the vaccine's coming, knowing that we should be good to go back to a somewhat regular style of life anyway, more regular than it's been in the last year. We're going to get back to that pretty soon. Each day, less and less people are infected and more and more people are vaccinated. On top of that, the weather's getting a little bit nicer, right? It's, it's, it's just feels like a great time to be alive for me every spring. Not that we're quite there yet in Newfoundland, but we're getting there. And I tell you this weekend, last, last weekend, um, when the clocks went ahead, it just feels so much more, I don't know what the word is, vibrant, uh, ra radiant, co positive energy, whatever it might be, feels good. And, uh, you know, the timing, time, timing's everything. Here we are, and a lot of positive things happening. The sports leagues, for the most part, right, have, have, have gotten off the ground and are, are doing pretty well. Even junior in Canada, you got to love the spunk and the, and the try here. It's not as easy to pull off that stuff as it is the NHL for a lot of reasons I won't get into because we don't have 10 hours. I suppose we do, but I don't want to. So, but anyway, point being, you know, man, all you can do, we're, we're all brothers and sisters without preaching. We're trying to go too far into that, but I, I just mean we're all connected and uh, the uh, just seems like there's a lot of positive signs lately. And Lord knows there's been a lot of negative ones in the past year or two, no matter what side of the fence you're on, no matter what you do, no matter what you're into the odds are there's been some adversity in your life anyway moving on so it's good to be here is what i'm saying um great guest today paul mcnasty biznasty bisonette i say miss mcnasty because that's what my dad calls paul paul doesn't even really sound you know just think about it biz went by that name for most of his life and paul doesn't even hi paul but would, does anybody even say that to the guy? The entity Biz Nasty has transcended not only hockey, but sport <laughs> in a way. I mean, you got to admire what Biz does. He's got a vision. He's his own person and he works well uh, with team. You know, what, what he's doing now, kind of a metaphor for how he played, you know? He's a, he's a very unique individual, obviously, right? He brings a lot to the table. Whatever he's going to be involved in, he's probably going to be the focus. He's going to steal a lot of the attention. But he also is going to be a major cog in that wheel. Let's think of spitting chiclets, right? You would think, and for those guys, man, just uh, they work together. They could have egos. They could, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're getting work arguments, but, you know, they work really well together. The sum of those parts rises above, I think, each individual part. Nothing against either one of them. 
Biz is one of the most interesting people and innovative. Think about in the late 2000s when Biz got on Twitter. And, you know, he, he worked hard to get to the NHL. You, you, you often forget that part of it. Biz was a defenseman early on. He was on Team Canada under 18, right? He's pretty humble, even though you wouldn't say it at first glance. But a lot of what he's doing, like when he came over here to Newfoundland, that was a bit of shtick, right? But very, very down-to-earth guy. But Biz is an open book. An open book. He, almost too much so. He, um, For his own good, I mean. I mean, I love it, but... Um, I shouldn't say too much so, but you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's honest to a fault. And uh, I can tell you this from personal experience. When he came here, uh, he was extremely unselfish, uh, took us out, my father and I, um, and, and my friends, uh, you know, for a bite to eat here and there. I think we went for a few. We, we went to Raymond's. That was awesome. One of the best restaurants here in Newfoundland. But we hung out on George Street, right? Went to Green Sleeves, did the thing. I got up on stage, made a fool out of myself <laughs> after a few beers. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we had a great, we had a great time. It was fun, and I didn't know Biz coming. You know, I know who Biz is, right? And I was listening to Spit and Chicklets right from the start. I remember when we were shooting Frontier here. Um, yeah, so right, right. Right around when Biz, I believe Biz got involved in the spring of 2018. Well, I was listening six months before that. I'm not sure the exact date it started, but it wasn't too much, too far before that. And then I was lucky enough, the phone rang one day. And I was listening to it when I was with Momoa, right? When I was training with Momoa or training, uh, working with him. I guess we were training to a point. Um, I introduced him to hockey. Well, he knew hockey. I mean, just skating out there on the ice, playing hockey. And anyway, I'd, I'd throw spitting chicklets on. At the time, it was just Witter and R.A. and Grinelli, I suppose. Yeah, he was producing it. But Biz was, Biz was on once in a while. He was like a special guest. And then I believe um, in the spring, right around there of 2018, he jumped on board. And spitting chicklets has, has since become a juggernaut in the podcast uh, industry. It's it, not just hockey. There are sports. I often look... Um, you know, read up on these things. Not that, you know, my podcast is, I love it. It, 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 it chips in to my, um, you know, I earn a little bit of not only money, but, um, and you know, you know what I'm saying? A few sponsors, I'm, no one's getting rich off this, but I really enjoy doing it. I've got a great listenership. I appreciate that to everybody listening because, um, you know, the, I, at times, I, I, I was very inconsistent, let's say that. Um, so I appreciate the base for staying with me. And we actually, I looked at the numbers recently, and I was, I got to say, I was surprised. The pandemic, like everything, guys, it does a number on your head, right? So I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't really think about it. I put it off, but I certainly didn't think as many people were listening to it as they were. So like I said, it's in 2021, I've tried to take a very more consistent, I don't want to say serious, but at least organized approach um and to, to, to be honest most of the time i was just like calling people like this and not even writing down questions i, I like the conversation but um we, you know we're starting to do really well i appreciate uh, everybody listening and the hockey podcast network for giving me this platform because i do enjoy it and i get to talk to buddies and uh, you know today i mean i'm, I'm a hockey fan i'm a spitting chicklets fan if you're a hockey fan and you don't know what Spitting Chicklets is, 
I actually don't even think that could be possible. Um, you know, and there, it, it, it's a fun, the, the boys, you know, have great hockey knowledge and certainly aren't to be taken lightly, even though there's a lot of jokies, you know, beneath all that layer of crude, rude jokes, whatever it might be, sex, booze, there's, and, and you know, that's life. We joke about that, but, but that is life, right? That's why it's so relatable, right? Um, and that's what they are, relatable. But beyond that, man, they break it down. I love their take. I love to hear takes on sports from people who put the time in and plugged away. Let's say Witter. I mean, Witter was a first-round pick. Well, Ryan Whitney, most people listening to this know what spitting chicklets is, right? I'm assuming. But anyway, Ryan Whitney, I mean, it's... Yes, he went in the first round, but he, there was a lot of adversity there right along the way. And anybody, when they're coming in, they, there's pressure and, 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 you know, there's a bit of time that you're in awe. Right. Uh, but winner, I believe, had an ankle injury, didn't he? Or, or a knee injury. I think it was an ankle. But, you know, and that that, you know, sort of try to keep playing and knowing that you could give it more if you were healthy. And, you know, with so much money on the line with a family, you know, that. You, what I'm saying is that when that happens, when you, you face adversity, or like Biz, Biz did not know he was going to be in the NHL. He worked real hard. He started in the East Coast League, right? So when you approach it from that, at least for me, I find a lot of guys, I was in that position, a lot of other guys, you, you really study the game. You, if it comes to you easy, like, I don't know, Patrick Kane. I mean, who knows? Those guys also study the game. But I mean, often, often I enjoy hearing a take from somebody who really at times, you know, was focused on the goings on of the NHL and, and, you know, how this play went or that play. That's why often guys um, and girls, uh, I find grinders, uh, fighters, I don't know, um, hard workers. I want to put everybody in that. I don't want to say the word enforcer, but a lot of times these guys have a great take. Look at Louis DeBrusque here in Canada. If you're out West, does the games with uh, Jack Michaels in Edmonton. You know, he's Louis was, a, you know, again, I'm not going to say goon. That's a silly word, but definitely he was, he, he worked hard. He, he had to work for where he was, paid attention to the game. Jody Shelley, listen to his take on things. Um, in, in Columbus, he was on spit and chicklets recently. Uh, great take. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, I, I heard, wasn't a great coach in Phoenix. I mean, I don't know. That that's it's tough. But I, I guess what I've heard, and I won't say from who, but he was a little bit unrelatable sometimes because people would assume, like one guy played for him, said, you know, I, he he just assumed we knew all this stuff that you know is inherently it's subconscious for him, but for us it's not. So a lot of times now, again, that's a story. Wayne Gretzky could be a great coach, but if there's any ounce of that particular little tale that's true then that's kind of what i'm getting at right like a lot of times if you're so skilled and i mean certain people do work hard i'm not saying they don't but but they don't have to <laughs> they do but you know like you know what i'm saying if you're a superstar then your ride to being successful in the nhl while while definitely filled with adversity of different kinds it's definitely seen from a different angle than if you're not even expecting to make it or, you know, you're right on that bubble and you go home that night and you, you're studying. I mean, I did it. I, you know, I hate, I'm not going to 
say who or anything, but when I was battling for a spot, you know, I'm looking at the guys that are kind of on my bubble. We had team tape back then. I mean, like you guys know, I post so much. I got video. I had all kinds of video over there. I used to, it's not all for posting highlights 20 years later, right? I used to take it home and I was really pretty diligent with that stuff. Um, you wouldn't say it and I didn't really let it on that much, but I remember, oh God, dozens of times in my junior slash professional career, uh, grabbing videotape from the game, watching it, not only to see my mistakes, but to see what other people were doing that were playing my position. Mm. Um, there's a healthy competition. I, I wasn't hoping that they would fail. But once you start to do that, I think you, once that line is crossed, even though, I mean, you, you, that's why the sport's so beautiful. Team sports are so beautiful because I find you've got to look out for yourself as an individual. But if you only look out for yourself as an individual, the chances are someone's going to see that. And unless you're a super, super, duper, duper, duper star, and even then, it's going to be tough. If you're completely selfish, it does happen. But if you got a bad attitude, selfish, you keep chirping. Look at this guy, Tony D'Angelo, in New York for the Rangers. Look at his stats. Now, I, he must be a cancer in the room. I mean, you, you hear these stories, right? I, I don't hear much good about him other than he's unbelievably talented. And this guy gets points in the NHL. As a smallish young defenseman, he's incredible. Can't find a game. I can't, I don't know, but I've heard he's a bit of an asshole and he says things that aren't good in addressing him. Well, where does that get you? Right? If, if that wasn't the case, trust me, he'd be snapped up. I'd have him in my hockey pool right now. That's the extreme. I don't know too many total jackasses like that that really can't find a game because they can't shut their mouth. I don't. They've existed. And I would have said Sean Avery before. I've said it on here, and I kind of take that back for, for more reasons than one. He, he, he continues to... Something else happened today with some car hit him or something in L.A., or he's saying it. He, he, he's done things like that, but continually from a distance upset me. And even when I played, when he made that comment about Dion Phaneuf, his wife or you know i hope he likes sockets sloppy seconds i thought that was horse shit and it, it really took a lot for me ever to even consider sean avery being a good guy but i'll tell you something um sean avery played with bj those listening to this know that 99 percent of you know for those that don't uh, my buddy bj young i played with in western league in tri-city and red deer one of my real real good friends in hockey one of the best. When I say that, I mean like, if not the best, like top three. Very, very, very close friends and um, and situations. So BJ passed in 2005 in a car accident and uh, Tyson, his son, came over here. Tyson's 22 this month. He moved back out to Alberta now. He's, he's going to pilot school after playing a couple years junior in St. Paul for the Canadians. That's basically what I did. I mean, I helped to raise Tyson. Um, so BJ, I'm going somewhere with this. BJ played in Adirondack with Sean Avery in 1999. And 
Danielle, you know, like I said, we're split, but we still talk. And uh, I mentioned Sean Avery on my podcast one time, maybe a year ago. And it was to do with this that, you know, that I didn't like him that much. But here, here's the thing. You, 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 I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because you can't just judge people on this public stuff, right? Ask Austin Matthews. Justin Bieber sounds like a great guy. Look at, you know, even that recent video he did for the Leaps and with the Leaps, and he sounds like he has a good time. I mean, you like people to enjoy life. But if you only, I mean, I still don't know, but I'm just judging. Austin Matthews seems like a grounded guy, young, you know, likes this Bieber. He's Canadian. You want to root for him? Um, right, but he had some childish incidents, egg and cars or some shit like Bieber, but uh, seven or eight years ago. So I was one of them. You just the judgment kind of stays in your subconscious. You got to realize there's first of all these people go through their life is not we we you know it's just not identifiable for someone like me. I'm not saying I love Justin Bieber either. I'm just saying. Much like Sean Avery, you can't just go by what you hear. Because uh, Avery, anyway, anyway, he sent a message to Danielle and said, you know, I just want to make sure that Tyson is all right. Um, I can't remember what, but he, he sent him a couple of T-shirts or something. And so there's some good there. Uh, may, maybe a lot of these things that Avery does is, I, I don't know, I don't want to put words there. I really don't. And I know sometimes he does appear to act like a jackass, but you know, I've I I, I met him at Brad Richards golf tournament, to be honest with you, about thirteen years ago, and he seemed all right. He, he he certainly wasn't acting like the Sean Avery you'll see if you type in something on YouTube right now. So I mean, I don't know. I I guess I wanted to bring that up just to let people know that you know, you're listening to this. I try to be open-minded, but I think maybe sometimes my opinions or opinions are biased. I mean, everybody's there in a way, even if you don't want them to be. So, you know, I didn't like Sean Avery because of those indirect comments, you know, like push-ups after goals and shit. But, you know, I mean, I'd probably do that. It was just that compounded on everything else. Anyway, I'm just saying here now that I'm, I give the guy another chance. Okay. <laughs> I hope I meet him sometime. Uh, because if nothing else, Sean Avery seems like an interesting fella. Now, before we start with Biz Nasty, uh, I just had a couple questions. So this one girl, so Allie in Trois-Rivières sends me this every week. So I believe she, she, her question is, Terry, how come you're such a Leafs fan? Now, thing is, I'm not. I mentioned them here and there in passing, like I just did say with Austin Matthews and Bieber. I don't know if that makes me a fan, but like this year, for example, of if, if anybody was going to win the cup, first of all, I hope it's a Canadian team. Does that me make me anti Montreal? No. And Ali, you know, I played there, so I don't have to justify this. Doesn't mean I'm married to that bond, but I do. But they were always my favorite team. Right. Like there's some people that play for teams and they you won't hear from them again. Like I, I embrace Montreal. I really do. I mean, I didn't have the best fortune there considering uh, at least on ice and stats. But, you know, with everything else, with relationships and fun and. Um, you know, the amount of times I've 
gone there and, and you know, it's magical. I love Montreal. Um, and they treat us really well. Like if you're alumni in Montreal, I didn't take advantage of this for years and I'd heard about it, you know, because I felt that I left with egg on my face or whatever. And, and I was bitter, you know, in the two thousands watching guys that I played with and my stats were as good or better become, you know, NHL regulars. So that, that, I guess, was subconsciously tough on my mind. But, you know, most, most of my fortune there, A, I got hurt. B, I, I chose not to go back to camp my last year and demanded a trade. It's kind of on me, you know, a lot of it. I'll always say Michelle Therrien acted like a dick with me, but, you know, that's its own chapter. And I do forgive him. But I'm just saying, Montreal experience in general was a great one for me, you know. It's, it's a great city. We're all human. Hockey's a tiny, tiny, tiny part of it. It's the vehicle that opened up most doors in my life, but I don't sit here and dwell on it. You, you know, when I was 23 or 24, I would. Hard not to. Come home, turn on Hockey Night in Canada, and guys you know are scoring in overtime and all the adulation and money and fame. And, you know, you're young and you're, 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 you're seeing all that. Like, it's subconscious. Of course, I, I just, you know, I wanted to play hockey. It wasn't my goal to be famous when I grew up. But as you're in your 20s and you're seeing people, you know, you don't want to admit that. But, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm working for Red Bull and coming home after the, watching TV. And, you know, I, I loved skating out in Montreal to a packed house or Tri-City or Hershey, Pennsylvania or Orlando or wherever. Right. And that's why I still play. The fact that I could still play, I think, really helped. And the, the ball hockey and playing on Team Canada, all that stuff really kind of helped me close that chapter of, you know, being the Montreal failed prospect, if you want to call it that. But after that comes the, you know, the realization that you played in the NHL. And there's only, what did Frankie Bannum said last week? There's only 7,000 players ever in the last 120 years that played. There's only 800, not even Montreal Canadians ever. When I started to think about it like that, it was like, whoa. Of course, at first you dwell on all the crap. But in any case, I haven't even answered Allie's question yet because I digress so much. But Allie, um, as far as the Leafs, well, my buddy, you know, David Roper, I got to say, he's, I mean, the Leafs anyway, I'd love to see Toronto, even the Raptors a couple years ago, see Toronto win a championship. Canada becomes... Extremely vibrant. Um, but anyway, outside of that, like I said, I cheer for any team. But, but Dave Roper is from Mount Pearl. He's one of my best friends, and he's the equipment manager there. He got the job a couple years ago. So, you know, I want to see one of my friends get a Stanley Cup ring. And he got there as an equipment manager. No one thought of We used to give Rope shit. He used to be doing our senior games back here, and he left like a prospect leaves to – to, uh, you know, to go pursue their hockey dream. Roper did it as uh, Davey Rope Dog, we call him. We, he did it as a equipment manager, and he succeeded, right? He left here. He went to the Southern Pro League. This is only five, five or six years ago. He went from there to the East Coast League, uh, Robbie Fitorik, um in Norfolk. And then from there, he met Lula Amarello and got in with the Leafs. More power to him. God love him. But I'd love to see Rope Dog with a Stanley Cup ring. You know? I mean, I love seeing Michael Ryder and Danny Cleary with one. They're my buddies. It's awesome that they won one. But it was kind of possible when they were like even 13. It was likely, 
But you're like, you know, they're hockey players. Rope Dog, you know, he would play, but he couldn't really make the all-star teams. But he loved all the boys. and He was one of our best buddies. So we often, you know, we want Rope Dog around, whatever it took, you know, whatever it took. Sell tickets, um, fill the water bottles, sharpen skates. And he became pretty good at it over time. And then just started going to Hockey Canada meetings and everything. One led one thing led to another. But anyway, Ali, I mean, it, it, if I was edging towards the Leafs, that's probably the reason. Um, not that I have to justify it. And I love your I love your persistence. <laughs> you send that question in every week and I accidentally ignore it. Or is it an accident? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, you know, but but equally, I mean, I got friends in Alberta, Newfoundland, Alberta share a symbiotic relationship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Edmonton, Calgary, James Neal, he's one of my buddies. There you go. I'd love to see uh, him win one. Now, obviously, I'm Canadian. I love watching Mitch Mariner, Connor McDavid, all that stuff. I, I'm saying that they'd all, but, but friends of mine, I'd prefer to see win it. So Roper is definitely my best friend up there. So that's, I guess, why I'd love to see the Leafs do it. But when the Habs win, they're great to us. The alumni uh, program there, the Alumni Association in Montreal, they, you know, we get free tickets and all that but might not be too surprising but if you think about it it's great i mean i'm an nhl fan i'm 20 years removed from playing a game you know almost so i'm a fan and i appreciate the fact i can walk into the bell center and watch a game we can go down and use the alumni room um they're very very they they whenever i do go up and they give me a bit of swag you know i bring some back from my friends t-shirts you know what I mean? Pom-poms, whatever it is. Uh, point being, man, I love playing for the Montreal Canadiens. I loved playing for the Montreal Canadiens. I love the fact that I can, I'm an alumni and the name is on the statue outside. It gives me goosebumps. I start to get tears in my eyes when I walk by that. So in no way am I underappreciating playing for the Montreal Canadiens. But time goes on. Ali and yeah, I uh, I go for the positive vibe and any Canadian team to win would be great. I can't think of one situation right now that I wouldn't love to see. And the furthest out of it is probably Ottawa, but I love what they're doing. And my old buddy DJ Smith uh, is coaching that team, and I'm I'd love to see him do it someday. Um, I guess Ali, I don't want to focus on the cynical or the negative. Okay, if Montreal win, I'm pumped. But it doesn't mean I'm cheering against Toronto. Okay, I've talked enough. I've, I've, uh, I've yapped enough. we got a great guest today, and I'd rather have more of him and less of me. So stay tuned. Paul Bissonnette coming up. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my next guest is one of the most influential voices in the hockey world today. He burst onto the scene in the late 2000s, not only as an NHL player, but one of its loudest ambassadors, using Twitter as a platform, transcending hockey and gaining over a million followers in the process, besting NHL superstars in that category. 
He's an important cog in the wheel that is spitting chiclets, simply the most popular hockey podcast on the planet. He's also a veteran of over 200 NHL games, and his resume also includes ECHL All-Star and Team Canada Under-18. A native of Welland, Ontario, he is a charismatic character, a terrific teammate, a bodacious businessman, a wonderful warrior, an awesome Ontarian, a careful coyote. He lives near the sand, and he visited Newfoundland. He's learning to cook and is mentioned in my book, He'd snipe the odd night, and boy, could he fight. He's a pretty good friend and likes to set trends. He played defense as a kid and once interviewed Sid. He snipes from in close and likes to microdose. Connor McDavid, well, he is fast, eh? Well, so is this guy, ladies and gents. It's the man they call Biz Nasty. Biz, how you doing? Did you practice that intro? Holy shit, that was incredible. <laughs> I put rhymes together for all my kids. You're spitting hot fire, man. Who are the best five <laughs> rappers of all time? Dylon, 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 and Terry Ryan. That's it. Uh, silly. That's what I did in school, poetry. And one English. more Dylon, I said four. <laughs> yeah, that's my degree. That was stupid. <laughs> the folk, you, have a fo- you have a folklore degree, don't you? I do. My, I got a folklore major and an English minor, which means... Now, speaking of folklore, Taylor, uh, Taylor Swift just won, uh, I think, album of the year for folklore. How you about should, that? Now it's relevant. Be, yeah, she should be paying you uh, residuals. Now it's relevant. At the beginning, <laughs> when I do stand-up comedy, I, and, and I'm somewhere foreign, I say, hey, I'm Terry Ryan, the biggest disappointment in the history of Newfoundland sports. I just got divorced, and I got a folklore degree. And <laughs> But now, now folklore is made relevant. I'll have to change that. Buddy, it's great, uh, great to chat with you. you. I always love my time with you. Oh my goodness, you are you are one of a kind, my friend. You too, and probably the busiest person, no pun intended, that I know. Biz, do you ever get tired of the responsibility of being biz nasty? Um, I, I go through I go through waves of it. Like I just, but I I said uh, before we started recording. Like for me, it's just more of like keeping my mind busy. And like I was talking to my girl yesterday. Like I just. Uh, I just really like expressing myself and I try to find all these new outlets in order to do so. Like one of the things that you do that I'm envious of is, is you get to act a lot. And the, the, the little bit that I've done, like I, I love, I enjoy it because I enjoy afterward editing it and trying to create things. And, and I I'd love in, in the future to get more involved in that, especially, you know, as time moves forward and, and I think that I'll probably have more freedom in order to do so then to try to create more, more of, of, of what I want to do and, and maybe act in things. Like I did that biz does BC and, and that kind of opened up the floodgates a little bit, but yeah, I just, I just, I don't know, dude, I just kind of became one of these people that just really likes to express myself in different ways. When you say biz does BC, how much of that did you produce? Did you, were you hands-on and all that? Oh, it was, yeah, it was me and my buddy Pasha and, and my friend J- Jeff Jacobson. And, and we, like most of it, most of it was like uh, thought about beforehand, but given the access to the players and not knowing what exactly we'd be able to get from them and then not even knowing what their lines would be or what the script was, part of, part of it was done on the fly as far as like the interactions with the players. So that was, um, you know, that was kind of early stages. uh, What's the term we use? Like guerrilla style. We did that straight guerrilla style, no permits. We were throwing up drones in like downtown (laughs) Vancouver. And it It almost helped to not know how it worked. (laughs) 
ex- ex- being being naive going into it knowing nothing it, yeah it was very very beneficial and then obviously we we ran into some problems on the back end because we'd imagine that we were going to be able to use certain types of music in, in certain episodes and then that was a bit of a dilemma like licensing and all that shit is a whole different ball game that's why it's it's probably better off you just you hire someone who who can who can just make you know, make beats or, or, or make any type of music on the fly. It's incredible. You're learned trial by fire. I mean, because I mean, I'm working in the film industry and yeah, it's as if you had the vision and you just weren't schooled on it. But I mean, it, a lot of your instincts were correct. Cause I, I know, I mean, I watched it with people in the film industry and we're going, wow, it was almost done like a short film that comes right at you. It, it, it looked rehearsed, but if it wasn't, I, I don't mean rehearsed. I mean, it looked like you had a plan. So, if there wasn't much of a plan and that was panic stricken with the music, it certainly didn't come out like that. It was produced very well. Like we showed up in Kelowna at a golf tournament, <laughs> like the, episode three, and we were telling these guys what they needed to say back to me. So it, it was, like, I knew what I was going to say going in and like, and I was feeding them their lines as we were going. Like I, I, I texted Gallagher. I'm like, Hey, can we get 10 minutes of your time on the golf course? Sure. A and- webs can can we get ten minutes of your time on <laughs> the golf course? Sure, and 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 that's how it was kind of conduct- it, it it was fun to get these. You know, obviously, you're only going to get so much from Shea Weber because he's like, hey, what the fuck's going on here? You know, like this is this is this is a bit odd. It's not like an interview. Hey, just to get the FaceTime, you know, just to get the yeah, just to get those big names and and those guys was huge in order to draw a, attention to it, and that's kind of what we thought going in. But uh, I know we kind of got a bit off the rails, but yeah, it's just you know, it's uh, you know. I, I want to experience a lot of different things as life goes on. And, and I think that doing these silly things has opened up more doors and, and maybe the more silly things I do open up even more doors. So we'll see where, where it all ends up uh, taking us. I think people identify because everybody wants that to a degree and not everybody is in the situation to do it. Either they're strapped down by a, a relationship, uh, geography, uh, maybe they're, they're living, they start working in the mill when they're 18 and then they realize, Whoa. Um, so let's go way back, way, way back. Clearly, you got tendencies too. you your 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 fingers on the pulse. And I'll get into Twitter and all that. But I mean, there was something that same trait. There's a correlation there. Something you, you jumped on there and started to be creative. That was an outlet. That's a platform. But let's go back when you were a kid. What were your favorite subjects in school? Were, were you into acting? Were you or, or were you off the cuff? Was it always hockey, hockey? I, um, yeah, I, I became, so when I was, I started playing hockey uh, or I guess let's go to the very beginning. I started taking uh, skating lessons and I became a very good skater because I got these personal skating lessons with a lady named Nancy Gruel and, and she taught me how to skate backwards. So I, I, I was just as good at skating backwards as I was forward. And, and I think that as soon as I got, I got signed up for hockey, my skating stood out more so than the other kids. And, and I, I excelled very quickly. I had a bit of a barrier though, as far as like my skills and maybe my hockey sense and talent where I was playing single a and I kept getting cut from the triple the a team. So I think that that, um, I think that that rejection, um, it was beneficial and not only carving me out to, to be like, 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 you know, fuck that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be shunned away. I want to make triple a, but also I got to play single a where I was able to, to feel comfortable, get more ice time and, and, you know, feel like I was, you know, one of the better players. So my confidence grew in that regard, but I still wanted, I wanted to play triple a. 
And eventually I ended up cracking it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was Adam major the first time I made triple a, uh, then contact came in after that in, in peewee. And that's kind of where things started excelling. And I, yeah, I, I became a bit obsessive and I, I, all I wanted to do was make the NHL. So I started training. Um, so we had Nathan Horton and Jamie Tardif on our peewee team. Jamie and- Tardif. There's a name. Yeah. Yeah. So Jamie Tardif, he was drafted ninth overall in the OHL draft. I, I know um, who you're talking about. He play- yeah. yeah. Ended up playing a few games f- for Boston. Um, I think he was drafted by Calgary. Didn't end up signing with Calgary. He had, he had to start out in the ECHL with the Toledo Storm and then slowly wait, worked his way up to the Grand Rapids Griffins with the, the Detroit Red Wings organization. But we all know how hard it is to crack that. Or, yeah. or Played overseas, though, didn't he? He ended up going to play in Germany for a little bit, had a, had a great career. Yeah. And um, also Nathan Horton, who I think many people ha- have heard that name. He was drafted first overall, the Oshawa general. So having th- those guys around in our, our minor team was, I mean, it, it just advanced, advanced everybody else, right? You're, you're not only practicing against those guys, but you're seeing their work habits and what they're doing. I mean, at, at 13 years old, Nathan Horton was a full grown man. He was, wow. he started playing junior B at 13. Wow. And, and he was, it was fucking nuts, Terry. He was a full grown man. He was putting up a point of game against, and back then junior B was like 19, 20 year old guys were like six to 200 pounds. Dude, like 13. That, he, that's and, incredible. And he, yeah. He was 13 and he was built like those guys. It was fucking nuts. That's great to hear. I was always interested. He got those who don't know. Cause I mean, he's been injured a while now, but what a prospect. I really liked him as a player. Can't remember what it was, but he had a career ender. Right. Yeah. Six, seven years ago, his his back. And, and I I think that he ultimately had to decide to get a a back surgery that was very intense. And in some cases, people, people end up getting paralyzed from it. I don't know how he is now. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but um, playing with those guys, those guys started training at a young age too. Like they, like we were doing powerlifting when we were like 13, 14, we were in the gym three days a week. We were going to this thing called IHT in Oakville. Our parents would drive us to Oakville a couple times a week where we were doing these like uh, European style skill sessions and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I became extremely, uh, extremely obsessed with hockey. And thankfully like my, obviously my parents, right? Like they were driving me all over the place and uh and and you know providing me with like good equipment and stuff so i'm I'm very like my parents were unbelievable dude it's, it's crazy and you naturally then when you were younger right you went defense yeah I, w- I was a defenseman as i mentioned i think that it just stemmed from those power skating lessons with nancy gruel one-on-one and her teaching me how to skate backwards and i i'll i, I Part of me wishes I would have stuck with defense because I think I was just naturally better at it. And it was hard because the, when I, when I switched to forward, part of what was difficult is I always felt like I was in the midst of like this chaos. When you're playing forward, things are moving so much faster as, to, as opposed to when you're playing on the back end where you could see the whole play in front of you and you could see everything develop. I wish I was a better backward skater. I, lo- I had to go back there a few times. I love it back there. Or like the power play. In ju- I love it back there. You can see everything. You're not getting surprised. I find the hardest part about being a winger, the hardest when, you, when you're talking about all that chaos is breaking out when you got to look back and get the pass and the defenseman's there. Like keeping your head up in the neutral zone. Sometimes you can't. You got to look down. I find that really hard. As a, as a I, I just I just didn't have the brain for it to make plays. I mean, that's evident in the fact that most times I, I did get it. I was just getting rid of it. Right. Well, so, when did uh, you go go forward? 
I always assumed it was when you went pro and, you know, like Wade Belak or whoever that starts fighting. You know, you're, you're, you're a star at junior. You go in, okay, it's a little faster. I know I can do this, and then you never quite got back. That's what I assumed. I, uh, I got switched over when I was playing with the Penguins organization. I, I played in the ECHL as a defenseman. I'd gotten called up, played in the American League as a defenseman, but I was up and down, and at that time, they had some pretty good prospects on the back end. And even in the American league to where I was like a fifth or sixth guy and they had more prospects come in year after year. And by the third year, so the last year of my entry level, they called me up and, and the, the first game I, after they called me up, I remember we were playing in Philadelphia against the Phantoms and, uh, oh and I was fourth line left wing and I, it, it kind of was just this thing that clicked and it's like, Hey, I, I think that, uh, I think that they're going to give you an opportunity here. I think that I have enough, uh, enough skill and I'm a decent enough skater to where if I'm just willing to, to accept that role as a bigger guy, I think that, you know, there might be a, a possibility that I'd make the NHL. And sure enough, the next season, uh, I did start the year in the NHL. It, it was, it was, a, it was a wild ride. I went from thinking that I was never going to sign another NHL contract, uh, given the issues that I had with the organization. And I, I had, I had some off ice issues. I was drinking a lot and, and partying a lot. And, you know, I just, all of a sudden you, you get a signing bonus and you, and you have this freedom and, and you, you know, you kind of, and you're sometimes young. you, yeah, you're young. You know, I, I, a lot, a lot of drugs and alcohol that led me down a bit of a, a weird path, but I, you know, I figured it out to a certain degree and, and, and I guess it all worked out. Part of me is like, oh, I wish I would have stuck on defense, but then the other aspect is like, Hey man, you got to play five and a half years yeah. at the top level. So that's where I'm, I, I just, I'm very thankful for the way it all went down. Yeah. And you know, you, to make, you got to be able to play. And I'm assuming, Biz, knowing you, that you enjoyed it. You were in there. You were running some tunes in the room when you could. You know, you're 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 helping the boys. There's something to that. And, and I would think, I mean, as a player, I can't really relate in the NHL as much, but wherever I played, I mean, I still play senior. That that's what I love about it. And I, I would always, as a as a teammate, prefer someone in the room that had that jovial attitude and could go out there. And let's be honest, when when push comes to shove. You got to throw down though if you're in that role. Who was your first NHL fight? My first, oh geez, that's a, I don't even know if I can. Rem, it, I it was in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it was Matt Bradley. It might have been somebody before that, but that was actually probably one. Of I the know Matt Bradley. Games. I went to yeah, a camps awesome guy, great player, had a good career uh, mm -hmm. in the National Hockey League. He was with Washington at the time, and. I cleaned his clock pretty good, but that, that's crazy that I don't actually know who my NHL, my first NHL fight was. I can always remember who that it was amazing. with Phoenix. It was Jody Shelley, who we actually just had on the podcast. I listened. I listened to him. That was that was a great, uh, great interview with Jody. Isn't he, he well spoken for a guy who ate a lot of bombs off the face? Totally. And uh, while he was explaining that, I was with uh, I. I saw, I was in St. John's, I believe, wherever it was, it was either there or Hershey, but we played there. I was there when he got called up. He came out after the game and he said, Terry, I'm getting called up. I can't believe it. And everything he said, I, it was, uh, it was uh, like photographic in my mind. I was sitting there with him and he went up the next night and he ended up getting in two fights in five or eight yeah. seconds, whatever he said. And, and then it was like, he was, but he, I, like, you could see his improvement. He's from Atlantic Canada. So I was aware of Jody Shelley went like, when he played major junior Halifax, like Newfoundlanders like to go there, the English teams in that league, just 
you know, nothing against French is easier if you're Newfoundland to go somewhere that's English. Anyway, so we always have guys like that up there. So you always get your finger on the pulse when it comes to that. Or I do as Newfoundland hockey fans. So then he went, um, you know, the CIS and that was kind of odd, but it was never really. I knew like PJ stock, like you could tell those guys were still going to camp. It didn't really surprise me that much. And he became better with each fight. He literally he was like a tall, like Bambi on skates at first. And then he's just, fighting Probert. Uh, just figured it out. And most of it is is just, are, are, are you willing? If you have the size and you're willing, I think you're eventually going to figure it out to where you can survive. I think totally. that's half the battle is finding guys who are actually willing where they can they can live that that life. And I'll be honest, Terry, like it was... Uh, it, 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 didn't, it didn't come naturally to me because I think that, you know, I, I would say, I think I'd say any person who made it to a high level of hockey has a certain level of aggression and type a personality, yeah. but it's one thing to, to want to go out there every night and, and, and fist fight. Right. I just didn't, and, and, yeah. and it wore on me. Like I would get nervous before games and I would have a hard time pregame napping. And, and to be quite frank, most of these guys who I was fighting were a lot tougher than I was. I was just doing it to survive and, 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 and make a good paycheck. Right. I know how that goes. Um, and the anxiety before I've often yeah. said, like, it's anxiety. I, it, it was a combination. I say to people, like, it wasn't all the punch in the head. It was just like, you, 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 knew you had to do it. I, I don't know. I'm going to get a penalty shot. If I knew I was going to get a penalty shot, I'd be nervous, but <laughs> you know, like, that's a great point. If so, I hey, know, fuck, so would I with the hands like this, Christ. <laughs> hey, you scored from center I, last year. I, I, I would, def I would defer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would know I'm getting one not, not knowing that I'm not going to take it. <laughs> so, um, Fake an like, injury. When it, ah, when, my leg. When it, when people ask me, I'm like, I think I, I rapidly got better at that because you got to like I went in the Western League in the in the chaos of the chaos era. And people wondered how because I left here as you know, I went third overall in the dub draft. I left Newfoundland as a peewee. I never even checked. I never checked before. So like all people were surprised. But I said, well, you play in a league and it's allowed and you got a bit of aggression. But I said, like, I didn't go into those. I'm, I'm like you. Like I, I didn't. My instinct when I went on was to win a game. That puck goes in that net. Like what? Hitting to me even was to just to get in between the player and the net. Okay, I'm playing in a tough league. The scouts like this. Okay, and you know you could work me up. Once I got out there, I'd work into my own head and get riled up. Yeah, but yeah. you got to get better. Like if I'm grabbing on the Wade Belak for my life, you know you you start realizing where to grab, how to get in, when to throw, when not to throw, how to throw short lefts and big rights like. That's all natural stuff. I, people have asked me, I don't know about you, but it wasn't like boxing where I stood there and said, okay, I'm going to go in, then I'm going to jab. Or how about now they're all using the midsection? I never did that once. But, you know, it, it was almost like trial by fire. I don't know what your experience was. I, I think I, I think you like part of what you touched on too is, is that like positive reinforcement when you're like, well, the scouts seem to like it. It's like it's like anything in life where like if, if you're doing something and you're seeing that people are getting – enjoyment or they're 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 saying great job doing it you tend to gravitate towards going back to doing it it, it goes back into the the i mean i'm sure at one point when you acted or maybe your first experience was wow that was very enjoyable and people seem to enjoy that so i want to do more of it yeah well i i can tell you definitely after <laughs> talking to the ad therapist over the years and just knowing myself that i like acting and i i, I don't i don't even i i heard you have Jerry D on. Thanks guys for mentioning me on there. I went with Jerry a few times. Like I opened for him in like four and 5,000 seat. Buildings. That's crazy. Like it was, That's it was crazy. crazy. And I'd never done it before. 
But he asked me, he goes, you can back out now because we were working on writing a few things. It never really panned out, but he's a friend and, you know, you take good with, with every experience. So and then I was like, sure, like I didn't really want to do it, but there is something that I, I liked, something, the adrenaline that you get when you're skating out in front of 20,000 people and, and one day you, the puck comes to me or, or a player, I can influence what's going to happen here. And you're on stage and there's something about it. And I remember it when I first did the stand up, I was terrified. But afterwards, I took a deep breath and I, it was almost the, there's something addictive to it. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's why I like trying new things. I know there's a similarity with us there. I'm not sure what goes on. Jerry, in your I, bet head. You, I bet you like 99.9% of the population, they would be deathly afraid to have to try to get up and do stand up. I'll, I'll be quite frank. I, we did a, a live show for spit and chicklets. And even doing that, I was extremely nervous. I couldn't imagine being up there by yourself, have, having to try to deliver material that you had to create, assuming that yeah, people are going to accept it well. So it's like yeah. ha half the battle is, is trying to find something to write that you think people are going to actually and, enjoy. And biz Oh, no, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I step in, because, I mean, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this. Yeah, 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 I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, yeah, and with with stand-up, the, the, the worst part of stand-up, and this happened to me once on Richmond Street at Yuck Yucks in downtown Toronto, um, you, you, can you can be having a bad time, and you've got to go, and you look up, and I've got another 15 minutes left. You, you, you can't just take a knee. Ryan <laughs> Vandenbush, I fought him, and, like, I say, like, there's – he nearly hit me like Kipro. It's not quite. He hit me so hard. He's my guest yeah. next week. He hit me so hard that I went down to one knee and I was like, well, but I could feel it happening. And okay, I've got it. I don't like pulling the shoot, but I've already fought him. Everybody knows I got hey, balls. But guess what? At least somebody got entertainment out of seeing you get buckled. Yes, yes, yes. Somebody did. <laughs> well, you did, you know, at least yes. you performed to some regard. A, I can end it when I want. And B, <laughs> people are getting entertained. They might be laughing at me, but they're laughing. <laughs> like, but when it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, I came out one night in in Yuck Yucks. This was oh it. It was like a goodness. it was a storm, like a rainstorm. There was a Snoop Dogg concert going on next door, and there was only eleven people. And I went in and said, and I'd rather more people say, "Oh, that's good." I'm like, no. Even if you can believe it, I the the place I opened with Jerry for the first time was the Ottawa. I think it's the Civic Oshawa. Sorry, Civic Center. It's where the GM Center. It's where the um GM place. The generals the generals. play. Yeah, and so that's where it was. But if what like it's almost addictive, like someone you could say something stupid and like 200 people are going to laugh and then ah, and then there'll be a little bit of a rumbling if you're in if you're out there and i was in richmond i said anybody here in the hockey nothing nothing they were all there to see the guy on back of me that was you know oh, he was geez. he was some yeah you know had a totally different so, background. so so when you get the crickets you say okay i'll just go fuck myself like you kind of just like i just okay. said okay i got it. i'm a one-trick pony i got hockey stories uh, I think I'm funny, but I don't have anything prepared. Only hockey stories. So I said, if you got anything to throw at me, just silence. And I just said, okay, go on your phones. I'm totally not offended. I got to stand up here because I got 10 minutes left. And to a person, they went on their phones. And I sat up there and I was just in a zone. You know, you're like, I'm here now. I'm, I'm, I want to dig a hole and jump in it. And I'm just I'm in hell for 10 minutes. Yeah, oh, oh, but, 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 uh, so you're saying that was the Oshawa experience a lot better because I would imagine there were hockey fans there yeah. to where you say it is addicting. And that's, I guess, the one thing about stand-up especially is you're you're going to have these great experiences, but you're also going to have the shitty ones and you kind of yeah. just ride the wave, right? Jerry just gave me great advice. He said a lot of times when you come in, that's when it started with that intro I just said. He said you come in and, you know, it's hard for, for somebody 
that's an actor or a sports figure to just do stand up. He, he used, he goes, he said, Saturday Night Live, Alec Baldwin's really funny. I said, yeah, he's really funny. And he said, but if he was to come out and do stand up, it's Alec Baldwin. He's rich. He's good looking. He's it's hard for the audience to relate. Can't relate. So unle- you know what I mean? So yeah, I can't you, you got to. So that's when I come out and I'm like, hey, look. I'm, I'm a first round pick here, but I go with there. I'm the biggest sports disappointment. I'm just to laugh at myself, right? A little bit. So they see that, Hey, I would, I tell the stories like I'm a fan that happened to be in this situation. So they're looking at it from a fan's eyes, not a first round pick skating on the ice. And, and Jerry helped me to do that. And, you know, and I also, I come out and I'm, I said there, I'm like, look, I'm not a stand up comic. The first part of my act was 10 minutes talking about how I got there. I was just like, I'm sitting there in front of you guys. And I got this book that nearly didn't, you know, I just went on so and on. So let me ask you this. So was your, so the last time you did it, and I don't mm. know how long ago it was, was it a positive or negative experience? Oh, positive. What happens, Biz? What, what, um, I love how you just flipped it around. You're like Howard Stern. Um, um, well, no, I'm, cause I'm, cause I'm asking, cause like, you know, I'm one of those people where, like, I remember when I talked about how when I got cut and I was playing single yeah. A. It's like part of me was like, like it's it's like becomes a battle with yourself. You're like, I'm not going to end on this low note. I can conquer this this yes. fear here, and and you know as, as shitty as 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 bombing may make you feel, it's like it's more important to me to 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 conquer that than it is to let it conquer me. Did, okay, obviously someone's thought like that before. Exactly, exactly, Biz. That's what I think, and. I just, I, I got all right. I said, I know I got this platform. Like, you know, to put it in perspective, I, I, Mark Critch is on this hour is 22 minutes. A lot of Canadians will know that one. He's a really funny guy. And I know a lot of people that do that for a living. And Mark said, like, he's one of the funniest people in Canada. Even Jerry, Jerry's one of the best kind of, that was the only time he ever did that arena tour. Like he said, like, I've never done that. He said, you're going out in front of 5,000 people. Like I've never, you could do stand up the rest of your life and be successful and never get a room like that. He goes, think, and then he was like, look, think about the specials you see on Netflix and stuff. They're only, you know, there's that many people, they're auditoriums. Most of them don't have that many people. I was like, yeah. And he goes, there's, so he goes, think of the opportunity. And then I was like, not, not like trying to convince me. That was just in, in happenstance in conversation. And then I thought, yeah, I got to pursue this. So it was a hard summer because Jerry wanted me to practice. So, I mean, those, the big, big rinks went well, to be honest with you. They went really well. Oshawa would have had me back up by myself. It was, it was spur of the moment. Like you said, I didn't know going in what I'm supposed to do. Like biz does BC. So anyway. And we're we're not really, and and we're not like discussing it in a sense of like, we think we're fucking Kevin Hart. It's just, it's more of like a, you know, a a kind of like this like personal battle, right? We're all trying to, trying to do our thing. And like to, to give an example is like yesterday we recorded a podcast and we, you know, we had Keith Yandel on, who, which, who was awesome. And then thousand games, thousand games, and then Brent Sutter. But then we, we record the bulk of the episode and I was brutal and I'm probably my own biggest critic. And, and once we go at the, towards the end of the zoom call with all the guys, I was like, boys, like I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed. Like I, I was not very good. And I, and I, you know, I went to bed feeling like shit. I feel like, like kind of like the, the the world was ending kind of thing, and I think that that's probably because I'm, I'm one of my own biggest critics. And you and we're used to that thinking with hockey because you end a game that sucks and you can't wait to play on Wednesday. And bingo! And yeah. right now I can't wait to get back in the fucking saddle. And also like a couple things, like I feel like I let the like people who listen down because I want them to kind of have a very enjoyable experience. And number two, I felt like I let my fucking teammates down. And I don't think it was for a lack of preparation. I it, it was just one of those things where you had an off night and it was like fuck. 
but the, the good news is, is we do get to get back in the saddle and we do have control of that. So I don't know. We kind of, we kind of went off the rails there, but uh, this is a great conversation by the way. No, no. Great, I like, cause I identify, you, I identify with a lot of what you're saying. So, what ended up happening, Biz, to, to make a long story short, I was up there, so I would have to go into, like, the comedy bar and, like, walk in, and, like, a, like a walk-in, and, like, nobody, like, not a hockey crowd. I could have been. It's in Toronto. Most of them knew a little bit, and I'd go in and go, I got, what ended up, I, I got a few stories. I fought Tidomi. Anyone hear that one? So then Dale Howardchuck, God rest his soul, heard of this, or, or got wind of this. This was in 2017, and he phoned me, and he said, you know, it's got to be easier when you got a hockey crowd to do it too, hey? And I said, yeah. And he said, you want to come out and do it? He said, I got a bunch of people coming out. I got a golf tournament in Muskoka. I'd heard no of it. It's way. all it's all legends, man. Like That's I was like, awesome. So I went out there and Ken Reed, who's a good buddy of mine from Sportsnet. Ken um, was the MC, and I got brought in like right before we all golfed together. I was golfing with Peter Mahavlich, Al uh, Iafrady, who I know anyway, good buddy of mine and um, Dale. And then, like, so we went through, we raised a shitload of money for charity. We were there for all three days. I stayed with uh, PJ Stock, who's a buddy of mine. It was a great time. And um, anyway, I went up. He paid me really well. I won't say what, to, to get up and tell a couple stories before uh, dinner. And then after, um, there was, I can't remember, someone at the end had a very serious, and he said, you, you be the, um, he, he said, you, you bring the room down to earth again with, with another story. So he got up and got me to tell a pretty crude one, but he was a real Which good one, guy. The, the one, the one that you, the, the one that you've told me, the, 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 the ball hockey brand uh, story. Yeah, I, I told, I told the one about smashing my teeth out. And then um, at first, and then he wanted to know the Mike Bilberry one. Oh right? yeah. That was, um, that's for five minutes. In speed that is an all time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and the guys were loving it. The so best thing there. about that one is it has such a good punchline at the end. Well, Mike, yeah. I'd fuck her for five and then I'd speed, yeah, speed home. home. And and I think like, because back in the day when that happened to me, I mean, I didn't know. I But I guess he was like, I don't want to say a jerk because I've heard he's an all right guy. But, you know, he gets under people's skin. I didn't really know. So it gets a great laugh at these things because people are like, oh, yeah, I can see Mike doing that. Right. And he's never denied it. I knew he wouldn't because it happened. People have asked me. I'm like, I remember that perfectly. Trust me. And uh, it, but anyway, yes. So I'm looking down and like Grant Fuhr and these like it was mostly Hall of Fame guys, mostly. Um, and it was a great opportunity. So I did that. And then there was enough cameras and everything in the audience that I got like seven then requests because I was up in Toronto, man. I didn't know what to do. I was a daily on certain shows. I moved. Danielle and I just split up. We had, I was supporting them back here. I didn't know what I was going to do, man. I didn't know what I was going to do. The first three days I stayed at Union Station. I didn't have a spot. Had no idea. I didn't know when I was going to work, so I was sending Danielle back money. And then Dale did that. I told him the story over a few drinks, and we'd had some alumni stuff together the year before. So anyway, he set me up, and I still that's I, I did one in PEI last summer. Can't really do much now. Let me ask you a question: Do you ever do you ever go through these phases? Because obviously, you ride these highs of when you go do these things, and they're successful, and you get this like positive reinforcement, and then all of a sudden, you're getting more requests. Do you ever get to a time where like you crash and, and all of a sudden you're, you're saying no to a lot of things. Cause you go down, you, you, maybe you just, I don't know. You're just like not feeling up to it. And yeah, I, you know, and you often, I used to think, cause I, I had post-concussion syndrome. I mean, I, I don't talk about it much, but I missed almost all of my 19 year old year. It really, and I mean like with the, the light sensitivity, I was throwing up uh, depth perception. Like I, People go, oh, maybe it was just your feelings. I'm like, no, I knew I had post-concussion. Trust me, my head hurt. And then it just, it went away. And, and so 
through these waves, right? So, some, yeah, waves. Some, yep. yeah, waves. Yeah, waves. You're right. Waves. I've never really explained it like that, but waves. Yeah, oh, you're down. You're, and finally, it kind of went, and, and that would still happen. Now, I don't know if that's just life, because at the time, I remember yeah. being a symptom was, was, was depression, but I used to say to people, my head's fucked up. I, I, I know you like want me to play because I'm a first round pick. And of course, that's somewhere in my head. But like, I can't see you. It happened to me six months ago. I was worried about my brain. You know what I mean? So I think that leads to depression. But to go back to what you were saying, I think it's like we go, Bell, let's talk more. More people are open now about their mental health. And I think that's more regular than people think. And when you're used to these highs and lows, like you and I are, I think it's easier to wait, ride them. And so it's a long way to, but yes, I totally identify with what you're saying. And there are times uh, that that does happen. And I just, it's like, I I just try to look in the mirror, man, and just tell myself the reality of it and just forge ahead. That's, you know, I I just try to like, because you're not seeing what everybody, you're not seeing the reality. It's like if if you're anorexic at some point, I I, I don't want to disrespect that disease, but at some point, if you're if you're logical and you're smart and you're anorexic, you must say no one else is 70 pounds. I'm looking in the mirror. I see fat. But logically, I, I'm not saying that happens, but that's almost where it's at. Sometimes I got to get my mind and I just got to say, OK, you know, almost like when you OK, booze, drugs, hangovers. Think of the worst booze, drug hangover you had. You, you got to talk yourself through it. You got to go. OK, like it's not going to be this bad. Like I'm just I got anxiety today. I want to fucking kill myself. It's fucking crazy. But you know what? It's going to be better. And that's that's kind of what I do. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do as many ketokes the night before. Right. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> maybe get a half an eight ball next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should be fucking butt chugging. Uh, fucking if it's anxiety you don't or, want, then maybe not, of course. Or, or pink Whitney, I should say. Excuse were, me. Were you? Uh, I don't want to piss off. Uh, piss off whip. <laughs> and congrats on that by the way I'll, I'll, oh I'll thanks touch on that after although people hear about that all the time i want to get to some other stuff um and by the way and, and just to close that uh chapter so now what happens more often biz is that people call me for that reason i'll do like minor hockey banquets or i did a thing in pei for a junior team or it, it's things like that i'll often go and it's the exact same thing i'm telling you know my last shift in the nhl or the mike Milbury story or whatever and it's more comfortable because it's a room full of, and Dale did that for me to the point that you and I did one kind of like that in Toronto. So I, yeah. Remember that, that one was, that we did? Yeah. That, so that was, uh, I believe that was my first ever live show experience. Okay. Yeah, you'd and, never and, have and, said that. And, and, and yeah. And then uh, we got James Duffy to, to help out. And the reason I did that is because he's a, he's like the consummate professional and to, to also relieve a little bit of pressure off me, I'd never done one and I was super nervous. And of course, bringing you in because you got so, so many entertaining stories. We also had Matt Nickel there. Um, I believe Rich Clune. Yeah, Rich Clune. And I still talk to Nickel and Clune. I didn't know them before. So that's great. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, unbelievable guys. But, you know, and it, and it was also like, hey, we, like, you know, I, I you know, there's only so many things I could talk about where there's so many interesting characters around. Like, let's let, let the audience hear all these different guys as well. So yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience and, and, and one that, uh, that I, w- I wanted to try. I wanted to know what it would go like. And it's, it's hard because I can't, I can't fight the, those nerves uh, beforehand. It's and, much, and, I, I know what you mean. So, so when you do live shows now, do, do you get the same, do you go to the same nerve levels no. as you did the first no. time? There's no, you don't get no, nervous I don't. at it's all? The, it's like before a game now. It's, it's realistic. When I was before Jerry, I was like shaking. Like I remember when I walked on in Oshawa, the biggest worry 
that I didn't even think about. But like five minutes before I said, I don't know how I'm going to stop shaking. I was like this. I was I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like I was like that. Like I was, and then I had to go on, ladies and gentlemen, Terry, Ron, I, I didn't know. I was like, my whole body was shaking and I, I guess they didn't notice. Maybe some people did. That's what I was thinking. No. Now it's like before a game, I got a gig, whatever. I, I make my money this way, you know, smarten up, go out there, grab some balls. Yeah, but be I, a man. The other thing is it's more now that I've done it biz. You see, you learn from experience. That's why Jerry says record every show. Right. I mean, you naturally do with spitting chicklets, but when you do stand up, I didn't think to do that. But when you do and you start the, the nuances, really, you're like, oh, like little chirps that you say that you didn't even think it was part of the story that people were going to laugh at. You start hearing that and, you you know, so it's experience. But I often do it now. The, the, the layout that you had two chairs sit down or even if it's just me, I'll sit down. I'll often have let's say I go to Halifax tomorrow where I'll get a local. I did call Harbor Crosby's hometown. Well, let's say if. Anybody, Matt Mays is from there, musician, whoever. I might get a local, or it might, could be just be a local Boys and Girls Club fundraiser, but I'll, I'll often get someone on stage with me. Have a little talk with the local. How you doing? Like, usually it's a local legend, and then I'm warmed Matt, up. Matt Mays is awesome. I, I have a couple of his albums. Yeah, Steve, okay, there you Steve, go. Steve, Stephen Dixon introduced me to him. He's deadly. Not that I, I met Matt once over here, but... I would If I was going there tomorrow, that's what I would do. I would try to get one of those guys, maybe, hey, I'll kick you back little bit of coin here. Let's all have fun. And then by the time they're gone, I've already had a beer on stage. Well, like, I'm into it. People like, hey, are cheering. I've, I've learned from my experiences. I'm only doing half the bag of blows, so I'll give you half the other half to show up. <laughs> well, not, not till after. Too much before. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, we talked you're about learning from our experiences. Oh, yeah. Not too, too many drugs before you go on stage are not a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a chemistry. Yeah, it really is. There's a formula. Well, a lot of those guys look at the people. I bet you Ramad Williams knew the formula. It yeah. got to him in the end. What was he, 65 or 66? Not hey, the how, how about this one? So, God, you know, God rest his soul. He was he was a fucking OG. But uh, I went to a comedy club in NYC when I was playing for the Wilkes Bear Scranton Penguins because I was dating a girl for, uh, that I met in Saginaw when I was playing junior. She'd uh, she'd moved off to NYC to be a graphic designer. So we, we go up to this uh, comedy club. I think it was called the Comedy Store. And uh, about halfway through, the all the sets were going up. Robin Williams walks in. No way. Sits down right to the table next to us. And obviously, people start noticing. And you could hear, like, even the people who worked there, you could see that. Oh. And he ends up going on stage. They, they talked to him. And he, and he One of my favorites ever. He, he was making trips to the bathroom before he got on stage, like every like five. Yeah, you minutes, could, right? like, you could right. tell he was just, yeah. That's crazy. why he popped into my mind. I love it. He's a great guy, but I, I've heard that story and I'm like, yeah, and a lot of them, you know, it doesn't really yeah, surprise hey, 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 that's that, you know, that was, that was what, what made the engine run, right? And I, I'll never forget he went on stage and, and his jokes were so intelligent and witty. I don't, I don't remember laughing one time. I was just in awe at the fact that this guy was like, like, just yeah, like, next 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 just rifling them off now there was other people in the audience who were like l laughing their ass off but i think intellectually i just wasn't intelligent enough to understand what he's one of those um comics i got a few of his special everything's not planned jerry's like that the, the best stand-up comics and i've worked with a lot now at this point that's what's fucking crazy yeah. is he he probably had no plans of getting on stage Ad, at night no no ad living 45 yeah. minutes and then once he came off stage they called him on and at the end of the night again he went back on 
And, and once again, I, I, I didn't, uh, I ended up getting a photo with him, but, uh, the photo was at my parents' place that ended up burning down. So we lost it. Wow. That, that, that's an NHL story. You're in the AHL when that happened. I was in the AHL Holy shit. For Scranton Penguins and I got a picture of me, him and my ex. And, and, uh, as I said, it was at my, my parents' place, uh, in Welland, Ontario. But, uh, in, in the year we won the Calder cup a, a couple weeks before Christmas, I got a phone call. My parents were like, uh, I'll tell you a story. So my old man, uh, my, I think my, my, my mom's a light sleeper and my old man was out cold and my mom wakes him up and she's like, Cam, I think somebody's breaking into the house. I heard something downstairs. So he puts his robe on, he goes downstairs and he looks out the front door, nothing. And then all of a sudden he hears something in the garage. So he's like, Oh shit. So he goes over to the garage and he, 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 he's hearing something. So he opens the door backdraft. <laughs> singes his eyebrows what yeah so i guess there was like a, a squirrel or, or something in the attic that was nipping on the wires it started a fire well next thing you know they're outside in their bathrobes watching their their house burn down and oh my goodness i didn't think you were going there with that story yeah and so our, yeah there's a couple weeks before christmas the year we won the calder cup but thankfully i, I built the house in well that one of my good buddies was staying at because you know he lived there and it was like hey i might as well have somebody in there keeping the lights on wow. he lived in the room downstairs and you know he was able to get an apartment and move out and they were able to move in and at least spend christmas and you know in a, in a house and not have to live into a hotel but uh yeah so we ended up losing the losing the photo in that fire incredible so, so I have no proof. I could have completely made up the story that I met Robin Williams. You could have. You yeah. could have. Um, there it is. I'm glad you didn't. That's what makes you the big. <laughs> and who knows? Uh, I mean, you'd be like senior talking about meeting Elvis. Um, hey, so how about this one? So we, uh, we'd always, uh, I don't want to say we had a battle with the next door neighbor, but we, we lived next door to this guy. He was just a fucking asshole. Right. I don't think his, his wife wasn't too bad. He was just a fucking asshole. Every time that we would have a, a, a dinner party uh, out back, because we had a nice backyard set up, he'd be cutting the lawn at eight, eight o'clock. Oh, yeah. Neighbor. One of those lunch. guys. It yeah. just so happens that he would fucking pull out the lawn. He was just a fucking Call asshole. and see. Do you have a permit for that shed? It's, it's, so, it's one foot over and shit like so, that. So here's, here's the icing on the cake. And obviously, they didn't have to, never had to live the, next to the guy again. Their house is burning down. They're outside in their robes watching their house burn down as, you know, the, the, the other people are coming out. This guy comes out, moves his car out of his driveway, drives it down the street, parks it on the street. So it obviously none of the ending affects his car and walks back in his house. And, and not one fucking word to my parents uh, watching their house. Could you imagine your neighbor's house burning down, not going out and being like, hey, everything OK? You got come on. You guys need blankets. Is there a grudge? Was there, did something happen years ago? No, no, nothing. It's just, it's this guy. I might have to go back to Welland, Ontario and take a shit on this guy's porch. What a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't think you were going there though. I didn't realize the house burned down. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Okay. We, so I mean, this is, that's the theme of our conversations, even when we're together and we're not even recording as we just go off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, that's where it's at. Right. If everything was by the book, biz, we, what kind of world would we live in? A normal world. No, there script. would be no biz nasty. There'd just be Paul Bissonette in a tie. Yeah. Right? We're in the we're, we live in the colorful world. It's TR and biz nasty here. Not Terry and Paul. Whatever. We like to take those chances, right? We like to take those chances. First year OHL. I'm going back. Fifty-seven games played. So you're. Oh no, wait. Sorry. You go to North Bay first. 
Yeah, North Bay. I was That's a bit what I wanted to ask you about. I, I don't think I played 57 that year. Did no, I? the next year you did in Saginaw. But North Bay, so you, you get drafted into North Bay. You go, you move there, you're 16. You, the year before, you're playing midget, and you played a few games junior B, right? Yeah, I, I, I wasn't able. Remember I talked about how Nathan Horton made it at 13, yeah. and he was playing against grown men. It, it was junior B back home. The Golden Horseshoe was just a very, very good league at the time, and I was unable to crack the lineup well and had a solid team and, and, and a good back end. Um, although when they did have injuries, I would I would end up going up and playing a little bit for them. But I think that it, it worked out. I got to play Bantam and I got to you know be the guy who got put in all the important positions. We had a very successful year. We ended up going to the OHL. Uh, it was called the like OHL Cup, where seven the best seven teams in all of Ontario would compete to be the best. Uh, 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 what would it be? Bantam major team. And that was the year of draft eligibility. We ended up playing against Corey Perry in that tournament. Uh, we played uh, the, anyway, there was a lot of good players and um, yeah, I ended up getting drafted that summer in the second. So did you expect North to make North Bay? So I, I really, really wanted to get drafted in the first two rounds because at the time that you were only allowed to, to yeah. use the first two picks to come in as an underagers. And thankfully enough, I was drafted by North Bay, who was the one team that came to my house to, to interview me. They, wow, two, deadly. Two, yeah, two guys came over and, and, you know, they met my parents and, you know, I felt very comfortable. They, I, I, there was a, a great connection there, similar to, to the NHL draft story, but we'll get to that later. And yeah, I was drafted in the second round, I think 31st overall. I ended up moving away to North Bay. and Wow, life again, changes there a lot, right? It, 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 it does. And, and I'll tell you what, I didn't get homesick at all. I loved it. I don't think I called back home for my first three or four weeks of training. Like I was there for training camp. So, okay. I just, you, you were I, like, this is I, what I, I'm going to do. Yeah. I, wa I wanted to do it. I was, I was starting, I was on the path to following my dream of making the NHL. And uh, I was, I was a healthy scratch about 50% of the time that year, but, but you know, that, that was just, that was just part of it. And I was okay with that because I was happy playing in the Ontario hockey league. Also biz to be, that independent that young there's there's you know it's it's probably another part of your traits that you know you go out and you follow your, what you want to do because if you didn't i mean lots of people have to do it but i don't know lots of people that have to do it that don't call home for three weeks like you you felt at home in north bay and, and we're but not that you didn't like your home life i'm, I'm implying that you went there and the writing was on the wall, like a playwright walking into a theater school. Okay, wow, this is definitely it. My instincts are right. So you you must have felt right at home. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, it's the fact that I had such tunnel vision to where I just knew that that's where I had to be in order to reach my dreams. But yeah, I, 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 my, I, independence, a, a word that my mother constantly used. She's like, yeah, he just like, he went there, he didn't, you know, he didn't. You know, they, I think they were a little upset that I didn't call home. And, like, I feel bad because, like, your parents who helped you get there are probably like, hey, like, we want to know what the hell is going on. But I just – I was just, like, so focused on, on like, starting this new life and, and, and getting getting comfortable in that situation. And mind you, like, that, that, that was the first time I'd ever experienced a training camp like that too. So when I was getting home after going to school and, and, and training the way we were, I was exhausted. I remember I would I would eat and then I would go to my room and I think I was falling asleep at, at nine o'clock at night just because I was I was so beat. For me as well, I I'd be in Tri Cities and yeah, I'd be like I, I didn't want to call home as much because if I did, it'd almost bring my mindset back there. It'd take me off course a little bit. 
don't want to say they were negative feelings, but I really missed home. Newfoundlanders have that, you know, that, that unity that I can't really explain. There, there's a, there's a you, Newfoundland you, bar in every province, you, <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's not you, the other you, way around. You told me, I believe, when you were on the plane to go, you were like, Dad, I don't want to go. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. You, yeah. you, you were afraid. And, and, he, then, he, and then you got there and then you loved it. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I, I, I told myself for the first bit, like it, it was almost scary to call home because I'd be I'd, I'd end up in tears. And then once it was just like all of a sudden, boom, then I was gone. I was off to the races. Took me a little bit, although I was 14. Um, had hockey not worked out. Let's just say, Biz, let's just say you walk off that thing. You don't make you don't make North Bay. What, what do you think when you were young like that? Um, and I admire you if, if it was nothing else. It doesn't mean you're short-sighted. It means you were focused on, you had your eyes on the prize. But was there anything else? Like, I I was, I knew I, I was, like, in creative writing classes that I didn't tell people about. Like, I, so I could probably tell you I'd write something. Whether it was journalism, I would have gone for that. So it's no fluke that a book came out years later. What about I yourself? Think, um, I think that there was always a, a type of fear of, of not being successful regardless of, of, of whatever my career path would have been. Um, I, I typically become hyper-focused on anything that I, I want to achieve. Uh, I think that that probably stems from, from the personality of my mother who, you know, she, she's a beast, you know, she, uh, she college professor, she wrote books. She just woke up every day and, 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 and got shit done while, while raising a family. So I think I, I definitely inherited, uh, that aspect i mean my father was an extremely hard worker too he worked at a steel plant i think that she was just a little bit more tapped in in the in the success regard and yeah i i don't i don't know i just that's just like who who i am and i i think i think it's 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 maybe it stems from more of like being fearful of, of not not achieving anything and you know you look at it from a perspective of you know i only get so much time on this planet i want to try to achieve as much as possible and experience as much I as like possible that. fear and, is definitely my biggest motivator i don't know yeah fear yeah it's and, and yeah yeah i think uh i heard something too um uh, i think it was one of the the women who are on uh, shark tank and she says you know i'm i'm, I'm extremely insecure but I think that it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. And she said that most successful, she thinks that most successful people are to a degree. Yeah. Like I'm, I, it really bothers me the consequences of not achieving what I think I can. Correct. And, and that's or, a fear. Or, or, or underperforming. And, and oh, you definitely know, under, yeah, you're right. You're right. There's so, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that, yeah, that fe fear definitely drives me to a certain degree. And, and, and as I said, I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm, 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 I'm extremely insecure and in, in, to, to a regard. Now I'm going to tell you a quick story. How many times have I said that? And two hours later, people are like, Oh God, Terry, no, no, trust me. Five minutes, 1994, 95, you know, you're going to know where I'm going with this 94, 95. I get voted to the all-star team. I can't believe it because the year before as a 16 year old, I had 33 points in the West, 176 penalty minutes. I had a solid year. I really, I think I was on my way to getting drafted somewhere, uh, you know, fairly high second or third round. I think I was rated. I can't really remember, but you know, 16 year old, 30 point, pretty good. But I went third overall. There was people that had way more. So I come in at 17. I didn't expect much. First 14 games. I got, of course, I'm adding all this to the story. I didn't have to start here, <laughs> but oh, you're fine. I, had like, I had like four hat tricks in the first, 12 games. So me and Lankow, not, are, not a big, not yeah, a big deal, not that big of a deal and, and a lockout <laughs> year. Certainly not a big deal when everybody's back in junior, right? When everybody's back. So guys like Jeff Friesen, Ryan Smith, 
Darcy Tucker. Actually, Darcy probably would have been back, but there, there's a, there was a lot. Brian McCabe, players that wouldn't be playing in our league had there not been a lockout. They've been in the NHL. As soon as it ended, they went. But anyway, so for that reason, and Canada won the World Junior the year before and that particular year, and this game was in February, so no one knew who I was. There's guys in the game. So what it was, it was held in Kitchener, sorry. So it's OHL versus, and what they used to do is have combine the West and Quebec. So we had 10 per team, 10 off West, 10 off Quebec. We go to Kitchener, we play the OHL All-Stars. The O versus the Q slash the West. So there's only 10 players off the Western team uh, in the Western League. Wow. Again, but I'm fourth in scoring, so they can't really deny that. And I remember my agent calling, and me and Lankow are both on it. That's so again, a big deal. Again, Aginla's not on it. Doan's not on it. Whoa. So like my agent, and they're my age, older guys that weren't. Like there's 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds were allowed on it. So like the guy that played right wing with me, Darren Ritchie, I think was his name, was from Brandon. He was 20. Good junior, but I mean, there was... So just a wide array of ages. So we play the game. I don't know what to do. They're announcing us. No one even knows who I am. Did you, I think you saw a picture I posted with my dad in Gretzky's basement the other day. That That's when it happened. Walter invited me to his basement during the game. Um, my agent called. It was Gretzky's agent, right? Mike Barnett. And so dad goes over there. I didn't want to go because the game was being played and I was staying with Lanks and I didn't know anybody. And most of the players knew each other from world junior or all-star or under 16 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You were, the, you were like yeah. the, out, the, totally. like the outcast. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and Lankow too, to agree. And uh, so we, we go, I get a goal in the first period. I don't even know I scored it. Okay. Second period comes to this day. I don't know if I scored a nicer goal. The timing on this was unbelievable. The puck just bounces out in front of the net in my end, and I was already in stride. And all these, oh, also, I'm already in stride. I get it. Turn around. The announcer says it's Terry Ryan and Jeff Ware. Now, Jeff Ware is my age. He ends up going 14th overall in the draft that year. Unfortunately, it's not Jeff Ware, though. It's David Ling, who's not a defenseman. And I'm looking right at him. And Dave's from PEI. I followed his career. I know he's a D, or not a D. He's never played in. He's small. So I go, I make one move at like center. I go around him. I go in on Cluche under the bar. Can't believe it. My second goal, I got an assist. I'm looking around going, holy shit. Don Hayes, our coach, he coaches Cameron. So I can hear the buzz in the game. I, who's this rank? I can hear it happening. I, of course, you know, a few months later, I go eighth. Not a big deal. Um, but anyway, so Don Hayes, the coach, Don coaches in my division. So I turn around to the boys. I swear to you. I said, no one knows who I am here. I said, I might get player of the game. Just joke. Whatever happened, I said, no way. I'm, I'm going to fight. They're like, no. I said, I'm going to fight. My dad is with Mike Burnett. Burnett also represents Brian Burrard. I go down in the corner. I had Burrard on my podcast a while ago. I go to hit Burrard. He knocks me over. I, I, it's the all-star game, but I know what I'm thinking, and I'm thinking what Brian's thinking. Jovanovski, I tried to go first. He didn't want to go. Like, he would have killed me, but Jovanovski's already, he's drafted. He's world junior. He'd be in the NHL when it starts up in a week. So, like, he doesn't want to fight me. Why would he? But I'm thinking he went first overall. So everybody's yeah, yeah, going to know me in this game. Right, right, right. Make and a I'm, name for yourself. And, yeah, so anyway, I, I, I chased over Brad in front of the net. I turned around. I said, you want to go? He goes, I'd love to. And we started. <laughs> and our parents are sitting with each other. We get in a great fight. We go down. And uh, on the way to the box, I think it's on YouTube somewhere, but you can hear the announcers. They're going, wow, these guys have really made a name. They've leaped in bounds. And I was going, wow. I came out after the game. I get player of the game. Well, there was two player of the games. I get That's one of them. Awesome. For like. So 
What happens the next year, Biz, this is why I told the story. I get my coach calls me and he said, you know, like we got all these great prospects and, and the CHL were thinking there was no prospect game. They were just like these guys happened to make the team and they did well. But the odds were they weren't even going to be there. You know, like we had Joe McGinland and Shane Doan, like I said, Kyle McLaren, uh, all kinds of great players that weren't in the game draft eligible. So they started, you know, for lack of for, make a long story shorter, but um, the CHL prospects game. And we had a lot to do with that because Redden had a great game. Lanks had a goal and two assists. And that was the thinking. I remember my agent telling me that. And he's everybody made a big deal about it. They said, there's never been a fight in the all-star game. That's why I did it. If it wasn't the all-star game, if it was just camp, I don't know that, it, but it was the all-star game. I said, this is going to be so unique. I do it. All that happens. It's the talk of Canada. And, 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 they, and they're organizing this thing. And I would imagine a lot of scouts are showing up. Yes. Like they don't want to, they don't, why waste everybody's time and have this powder puff game? Like let's fucking compete. Exactly. Let's, we're going best against the best here. Like let's fucking go, baby. Let's put on a show. Yeah. Like, I want to, we're, we're, we're fighting for attention here. That's all you're trying to get. Oh, I know you're, you know what I'm talking about because seven or eight years later, I'm watching the CHL prospect game yeah. and a young man named Paul Bissonnette gets into a fight yeah. and scores. And I believe, did you get the MVP as well? So I, yeah, I was uh, MVP for team or, and, and like, <laughs> like, like I same, same regard, Terry is like, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't think that I deserved to be there, but I was so grateful because I'm like, I look at these names, mind you, I think that the O3 draft is one of the best, best drafts of all time. Yeah, right. You yeah, go heard down you say the that. list. You said it just it, the other day. <laughs> yeah, I, I talk about it all the time. I joke about. I it. I do agree, like, though, Biz. I, I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I think I I want to say fucking half the first round has has uh, reached a thousand games. Yeah, stars. It it produced stars. not only players, stars and stars, and superstars. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, I guy I I got asked to go. It was in Kitchener, and uh, I keep in mind I'd played with Dion Phaneuf at yours was in Kitchener 18. as well. It was in Kitchener. So we, we, I'd played with a bunch of these guys because I made the under-18 team uh, going into our draft year. There's two of them, right? There's the one in the summertime. It was yeah, in P.S. Chani, Slovakia. And then there's the one at the end of the year in, in April, which is the world championship. Uh, and that was in Yaroslav, Russia. You know where yeah, ours I, was? But before you go further, ours was in Mexico City. Anyway, keep going. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it was what the under eighteen was. The under seventeen oh was in Quebec, but yeah, you know, uh, yeah, in, yeah. I went in to Mexico. I ended up going under seventeen as well. <laughs> anyway. But uh, yeah, we 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 won a D zone or an offensive zone face off, and I let one go from the point. I think there was a screen in front, and I scored on Mark Andre Fleury. So I was like, "Fucking a!" Yeah. And then I believe it was in. Um, it might have been in the, the the later in the first or maybe the second period. Dion Phaneuf laid out Marc Antoine Pouliot, like laid him out one of the biggest hits I've ever seen. I think Pouliot was done for the game, and just I didn't even there wasn't much thinking. I saw it happen, and I just was like, I got to go after that person, just because that was my nature of of trying to defend teammates, and that probably is is why I ended up being okay with becoming a fighter because I was okay, okay and willing to do it. But we had a, a, a spirited scrap. I'd probably give Dion the, the advantage. But similar to your situation, I think that it got my name out there. The fact that I was fighting Dion Phaneuf, who was a top and D prospect. Like he was going to, we knew he was going to be one of the first defensemen drafted. Yeah, Jesus. I think he had, I think he might've had 18 goals in his rookie year with the Calgary Flames. I think he had and, 20. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 20. There you go. And uh, yeah, and, and I think that after that, it definitely propelled and, and put my name on the radar to a certain degree. So uh, definitely, definitely grateful that I got the invite and it was, it was one of the best hockey experiences I ever had. 
Man, we do have a lot in common. Jesus, not only did that happen. We, I mean, fighting in an all-star game is rare, right? Now, to get the MVP of that game and get a goal in there, it's rare, no matter how good you are. Well, especially given, given our talent compared to the rest of the Yeah, you're right. Our, you're playing peers. among superstars. And then, and then not only that, the game was in Kitchener. It was just one of those things, like you said, like you, you, hit, you hit that, you got that puck in the slot in stride and you just happened to be in that perfect moment at the perfect time. And, and that's kind of just the way I felt about, about that game in general. And, and not only that, but to do so when like Bobby Orr is your coach, fucking awesome. I got to meet Bobby Orr, man. If, if it had all ended right there, you'd have a story that 99.9% of the population, as you like to say, wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, well, thank God for that fear. Hey, thank God for that fear. And it wasn't, but, uh, uh, going back to your original question, I, I just don't know what I would have done if it wasn't for hockey. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 um, you know, I, 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 I try, I try not to think about it. Sometimes it does get asked. I, I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe acting, I, you, I would have you, needed, I would have needed some way in order to express myself and, uh, is if you want to ever get into that, I could pull some strings. We have studios here. People, I, you're, I, I'm not joking. You, I think you'd be yeah. good at it you, if you're willing well, and you're the, willing to the, do the it. The memorizing can. the lines might be difficult. That's the that's the hard part. Well, but, uh, you, you we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I've <laughs> most things I'm in are like one sentence maximum. No, oh, uh, when I, when I, I say I'm an that. actor, yeah, it's. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be a mime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I'm I'm an actor like you know I'm you know I'm in the world of it like I'm in the AHL you know I get the odd oh no buddy I've yeah. seen some of the stuff you've done it's incredible <laughs> I, I, I you know I'm, I'm envious well I, I'm just, I just think that easily if you wanted to get into it you could bring yourself there um okay so Biz Phoenix you you go I don't want to dwell on a lot of this but I, I do have to I want to know a little bit about your time so you're you're in Phoenix for a half dozen years basically. Uh, you play most games, not all, uh, of course, given the role, you were fine with that. Did you get into media while you were playing? Like, well, I was injured a lot. So I, my first color commentary and stuff was like back in junior. Like, did you, were you out? So you said, you know, I'm going to do, or, or say, did Twitter just, that just, you yeah, know what, it, I'm going to jump it on goes this. Back, uh, it goes back to that positive reinforcement and my first experience with it. And I, I've told the story before I, I didn't know what Twitter was. I was I would have never have joined the app until Scotty Upshaw was like, "Man, you need to you need to join Twitter. You gotta get on there." And nah, nah, nah. I, you know, I was I think I was on Facebook at the time, but I wasn't posting a lot. I was just on there to like look at girls and stuff, uh, as as most of us guys were definitely back then. Yeah. The two thousands that was yeah. It, the, the, the reason it all kind of got spiraling as as much as it did was probably the, that for that reason, staring at the opposite sex. But uh, oh yeah, well Twitter and Instagram it all spiraled off of Facebook. Everything was being done on Facebook first, <laughs> even correct. TikTok. All that shit was happening on Facebook. Go ahead. And then sure enough, one summer after training, I would find myself just on the couch and watching tv because after you go train you were tired and you wanted to rest and you know I, I i i downloaded the app and i started tweeting out and at the time i mean the shit that you could get away with and the things that you could say were, were I know. it's not no, nowhere near to where it is in, right in, now in just over a decade it's changed yeah leaps and of, yeah and i i think that it it, it kind of uh I think the fact that I wasn't a, a popular athlete was another reason I was able to get away with it. And another reason, of course, I was playing in a market that, that wasn't big. If I was playing with the Toronto organization or, or anywhere, you know, New York, I don't, I think that it would have been shut down. It might not even happened. 
and um, and it, it just snowballed from there. And and I think that that yeah, that that's probably where that's probably where it all began. That's that's where it, it's it snowballed, and I started getting opportunities to where you know then people. Then I would get interviewed more, and then I got more comfortable on camera, and then I got asked to go to Vegas and and do these silly videos, and I became more comfortable in front of the camera, and and you know it slowly, slowly, slowly snowballed from there, and and it took on a mind of its own, and and just looking back, it's it's like everything. It's like I'm very grateful that that it ended up happening that way, and it, it just goes back to to try new things. And you, you never know where it's going to bring you. There's things that, that, that I've tried that I've been like, nope, never again. But there's others that have, have led me down this insane See, road. There you go. So when you asked me about stand-up, stand up, a parallel story, the exact same story, just that way. It was like, you know, trial and error experience. Um, listen, without getting into every year and every, because we've already been out for over an hour. I can let you go soon. A couple of great fights uh, that stand out in your mind from your career. Um, the, well, I mentioned the Bradley one earlier, that was probably the first time that I'd ever experienced, uh, I mean, fame is a, is a, it's a word where people are like, Oh, wait a minute. I, I was going around in Pittsburgh after I'd knocked out Bradley to where people in public were recognizing me. And I was like, Whoa, what the fuck is this? Like, this is wild. Uh, so that one kind of propelled things to, to more of that positive reinforcement and what made me hungrier to do it. Um, uh, and then as far as other ones, uh, uh, the, the Jay Rose Hill one that stands out against the Philadelphia Flyers at over in front of the bench, pretty cool. Although we were up three, one at the time in front of the bench and, you know, he, he'd taken a couple runs at donor and, and donor was like a, a second father to me and, you know, I, I I didn't like that, so I challenged him. They ended up scoring four unanswered. We lost the game five three. That really? felt shitty. Yeah, that <laughs> that was shitty. So everybody, remember, everybody talks about the momentum swings, and they're like, ah, oh, fighting doesn't change the momentum of a game. Well, in my experience, in some cases, it has. So, uh, well, yeah. yeah, and that that wasn't a good one, but uh, yeah, that's probably. And then and then maybe my last one uh, against uh, Zach Stortini. Ooh. My last, my last ever game. I, I, I tore my right ACL in my first, uh, or in that season. I tried to come back knowing it was going to be my last season playing. I prehabbed it, um, and then in the first full game that I came back um, before playoffs, because I was like, hey, we got to, we got to start going here at some point to get ready for playoffs. I tore my left one, and wow. I, I, I went. I, yeah, I, I, so I, I was playing my last game with two, two torn ACLs. And then I, because I knew it was my last game, I was like, fuck it. I'll fight Zach Stortini. And then that was the end of it. That was the last ever pro game I ever played. Uh, did you or, enjoy playing in England? Or you played in Cardiff. Did you like playing in that league? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even realize that Cardiff and England were separate. Uh, uh, you know, I do because I had a buddy Rod Wales, Snow Wales. from here played there. And I know a couple guys, Todd Gillingham. There's a few. I know, I wouldn't have known either that it was in Wales if, had I not. I landed, I landed yeah. in London, and they're like, yeah, we're going to Wales. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> I thought I was playing in the English professional league. What the fuck? <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's only three hours away. But, yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's a different country. It, is it considered a different country? Yeah. yeah but, or not a different country. It's considered a different what? Yeah, it's like, I guess it's all the UK. UK. That's right. Yeah. This is the extent of, of how intelligent I am. People are, no, no, are, that used to confuse me too. Like I, I was over there. I didn't realize the UK is like, uh, 
at first I was like, like you have Scotland, Ireland, Ireland, Wales, and England, and it's all part of the United Kingdom. If you're all, yeah, yeah. All all the UK. And it was an incredible experience. uh, Although I did get a little bit depressed towards the end because it was raining so much. And, uh, and also the NHL lockout was happening. So like every week that was happening, you see all this money you're not making and you're not playing at the level you want to and the uncertainty of it. But it was, it was an incredible experience and I'm very grateful that I did it. And I can't wait to go back and, and uh, with a camera crew and to, to highlight my experiences playing in a, in, a, in a different part of the world. Because I think that hockey touches so many different places in different ways. And, and, I'm, and I'm grateful that I got to experience that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, one one of the guys actually that played with you that year came over here and played a couple of years as senior, Stuart, Stuart McRae. Yeah, T- Tyson I, he was our Marsh. captain. Was he? I didn't realize that. Yeah, he played yeah. for Clarenville, I believe. He won an Allen Cup uh, with the boys. Uh, oh, he was such a he was such a good dude. I think uh, I'm not I'm not sure if he ended up marrying the girl he was with over there, but we had, we had a great great bunch of Tyson guys. Tyson Marsh too. I I stayed Tyson Marsh when I went to Cornell. Now, what are the odds, Biz? We talked about like when you went away, when I went away. Well, when I went to Cornell, BC, when I was 14, Tyson was like six or seven years old. I stayed with his family before I went to Tri-Cities. Sorry, I'm just pushing back another interview here quickly. Of course. I'll get to the last. Well, we're almost at the last part anyway. Yeah, I'm jumping on with a guy named Dusty Emu. Do you know who that is? Old goalie. Old goalie. Old goalie. Yeah, I got his hockey card. Yeah, he was the the goalie coach in um, in uh, Ontario with the rain when I was there, and I tell you what, man, uh, I I was a Sean Burke when he was in uh, Phoenix slash Arizona with the Arizona Coyotes. We were Phoenix Coyotes at the time, yeah. um, but he was a goalie whisperer because he helped get inside the minds of of uh, Mike Smith. He helped out Ilya Bergsgalov quite a bit. Devin Dubnik. He's now working with Carey Price. Um, after they they fired the goalie coach there because he he was working as a scout, but I also experienced Dusty Emu help out uh, um, uh, Buddha. Really? Uh, yeah, and who who? I love how played. these old old school guys when analytics wasn't even a thing, and when like a lot of I love how they can help. It means yeah. they really adjusted, they really adapted, you know, because so they weren't taught that. Peter Buddha played with with you guys with the Ice yeah. Caps. And he had a yep. horrible season, and we ended up picking him up, and he helped him revive his career, and he ended up signing a couple-year one-way with the L.A. Kings afterward, and he also helped Jack Campbell. Like mindset who, or like or skills? You, you, I, 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 I think it's just instilling the confidence back in these guys that you just got to hit the reset button at a certain point. And goalie is such a position where these guys are kind of on their own little island, and you yeah. can't escape it, right? You're in net. You're the last line of defense. And, and I witnessed it, and he was such a great guy, and you could tell that he had such a great connection with these goalies, wow. and, and, and they still keep in touch. And, and now after P- he did it with Peter Buda, Jack Campbell came over from the Dallas Stars organization, and he helped him revive his, his career. He ended up getting called up to the Kings, and of course now he's having great success with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'm going to jump on with him and, uh, and have a great conversation. And, and buddy, like, it, it kind of – going back to like you having me on like the, the, the places and the people that hockey has introduced me to has been the greatest gift that you, that I could have ever received. And, and it's, uh, it's the world of hockey is just amazing. Hockey is the vehicle you're riding through life on biz and it continues to pay off. Not much more. Do you think there's life on other planets? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't given it much thought, 
I think that it would, I think that it would be naive to think that somewhere out there that there isn't something similar to what we have going on here at some, some form out there in space. And the craziest, craziest fucking part about it is that it just keeps going and going. It's still getting going and going. It moves at the speed of light outwards still. I know it's, you can't even really wrap your head around it. It's Um, crazy. Hey, that's a great answer. I like to ask people that one. Um, Listen, so as far as psilocybin, so I've been listening to you and you you were probably way ahead of the curve on this, but it's starting to creep into all parts of my or my life. I don't mean I'm taking them all the time. I mean, a lot of there's a lot more awareness. I started microdosing and I find it's just a little slice of. It's sometimes because I'll I'll get I, I don't get all fucked up. I used to think doing mushrooms was like do your five grams see spirits but i mean like sometimes even i'll take a gram or or, or if i want to write and i want to concentrate i want to be yeah. in a, I, I i'm much cl- clearer of a thinker um if i take too much it speeds me up but if i take right that amount i'm not saying it, cl- it it slows me down as you can tell i took some this morning um but it makes me think a, a little bit clearer and i mean it makes like, me happier happier so yes it's the feeling of positivity and positive vibes with empathy and compassion attached right like whereas like i i can see the the the, often the 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 emotional side of things and not that i can't but i find i can more on psilocybin i'm still i had riley cote on i'm trying to figure this out he's he's i'm trying to figure this out biz i i don't even know what my question is so no no he's i think you're describing the, the benefits that it has and uh riley cote is is uh Riley Cote has, has, we've had very similar paths in a sense of like, you know, when you're, you're playing against the fighter and you're, you're, it's, it's obvious that he used to drink and party and have a good time. And I remember talking to him uh, for the first time, like in, a, in an in-depth conversation and just being like envious of, of the place that he's in. You can just tell that he's in a very, very good place. I got right? that totally. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You're, you're like, holy shit. Like this guy wakes up every day. He's positive. He loves life. He, he, you know, he, he values all the important things and, and he's very passionate about mushrooms. And my experience with mushrooms is for whatever reason in the, in the life that I've lived and, you know, maybe the drugs and, and maybe what I've been desensitized to, some days, if not most days, I for you can wake up and you could choose darkness and you go down this path of where you're a little bit negative, or you can wake up and you could be positive. And it just so happens that sometimes, like for whatever reason, I I just I feel negative and I feel down on myself. And and there might not I might not understand why, and there might not be a reason for it because if you if you take a step back and you look at the overall picture, things could be way fucking worse. They could. But the reason is often but, that we're human. But it's right. But it but it, but at the end of the day, it's whatever. It's my reality that I'm in. In, in that moment. And I find that when I do take a little bit of mushrooms, that it just directs me more towards the positive. And it, 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 it gets me to focus more on all those other things that you mentioned. And, and you, you, yeah, you, you do tend to have more empathy and you're, you're, you're smiling as opposed to not. And I mean, there's, there's plenty of feelings that, that, that mushrooms can make other people feel in their experiences with them. I don't know, but mine is that it just makes me a lot more positive and, and yeah. uh, I, that, that's why I'm, I'm supportive of them. And, and I don't do them as much as I did at one point because I try to 
I try to find more natural ways in order to deal with the, with the issues that I do have. And, and I know that mushrooms are natural, but I'm saying is like, okay, well, am I, am I, how am I eating? It, it, you know, some, I'll take breaks off drinking and, and smoking yeah. cannabis and, and doing anything where it's like, okay, let time, time to wake up and be accountable every way you can. And if maybe that's not working, okay, then let's resort to mushrooms. And usually I find that those can bring me to that place that we're talking about. You're learning, you're experiencing, and you're using your experience to be a better person. That's completely understandable. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's like scientifically proven that it just opens up different pathways and it, and it just brings you to the place that I described. Now, there, it's a very sensitive topic, the, the CTE one and the, and the brain trauma. But from my personal experience and talking to other guys who have led a path similar to mine, aka the fighting, the drug, the alcohol abuse, we find, or most guys that I've talked to, that not it's not the concussions, it's the alcohol, the maybe the the infidelity, the the drug use, and all those things that make make me feel way shittier about everything more that were so there than that the were trauma that were originally there to numb the head trauma and to help with it but others over time one people, substitutes people for the get, other people would get very sensitive to me saying that where i'm saying is i'm not denying whatever science based information yeah. you have on, on the head trauma side of it i'm not I'm telling you my experiences is, yeah, like, okay, maybe some of it is, but the way I feel and when I feel shitty and I go through these dark periods, I think it's more so the other stuff that impacted, impacted it than, 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 than the punches to the head. Well said. And, you know, it's just... Uh, and that's my experience. If somebody wants everybody's to got a different my one, opinion yeah. on it, I don't really give a flying fuck. Everybody has a, has a different experience. I love that you don't give a fuck. And either. I think um, that, and, and talking to Riley Cote, I mean, you could, you could have a conversation with him, but I think, and I think he would be comfortable saying it as well, that, that in his experience as well, it's like, it was a lot of other things that were impacting yeah. him feeling the way that he was before he took accountability that ended up getting him to the, to the person that I talked to on the phone after he'd gotten to that place where I told you that I was envious about, I was like, wow, this guy is, I'm like, this guy is, is, is if I feel like he's waking up most days and he's just in a very, very good place based on the, the taking his own life by the reins and addressing the things that he needed to, the actual things that he needed to address. So he's, he, he's a G man. And, uh, and, and I got every, all the time in the world for that guy. Same. I think Brian McGratton has been very vocal about his, uh, his, um, psilocybin use. And he's another guy that you should get on the podcast. Cause he's another guy who, who I believe, uh, you know, went to rehab and went down a very dark path. Who's very open about sharing his experiences, not only with psilocybin, but the, the path that he had coming up as a fighter. And he's, he's dealt with, tremendous loss in his life as well with 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 losing a really good friend in ray emery so he, he brian mcgratton's another g who uh who you know I, I i look up to thank you biz i appreciate that and i will look out for mcgratton i'm very interested i'm a student more than anything i'm just blown away Same. by this psilocybin. i don't got the answers i'm just telling you the the information that i've siphoned off others and and i think that we're, we're just trying to we're all just trying to figure this thing out buddy uh, if you could live in the reality of any movie, what would it be? Go into a movie set right now. Back to the Future. You could go into Terminator. Where would you want to go, and where would you want to live if that was possible? Wow. 
slap shot? That's a fucking great. That's a great question. Um, although people weren't. uh, Oh my goodness! I want to have a good answer for this question. It's all right. You want to pass and come back? I got only got a couple left. Yeah, let's let's come back to it. Word association. I'm going to give you a word. You tell me the first word pops into your mind. Welland. Rose City. Canada. God's country. Gordy Howe. I I think of I think I, the first thing was elbow. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Papa Smurf. Uh, well, mushrooms. I just I think of something <laughs> like that. I mean, pandemic. Oh man, I would uh, a lot of digging and do- digging internally. <laughs> okay, just it's like scary. that was a. To, to, I know, elaborate, I know. to elaborate more on that 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 block brought me to a lot of i was scared man i was i was just scared because I, I was living online a lot and I, I was trying to siphon all i was scared i was scared. i'm not i'm not afraid to admit it it was a, a weird time yeah i i i was um, scared I, I didn't i didn't know what was happening i didn't know there were so many different opinions there was so much arguing i was like what the fuck is happening here like why is why is everything and then and then of course with everything that was happening I w- I'm living in the United States man this I got I was I was I was scared Too I've had a different experience me, the, than you yeah uh, Instagram uh, toxic put these Daves in order your favorite to your least favorite Dave Chappelle David Beckham David Bowie David Hasselhoff David Copperfield. Like to coolest to least, your favorite, yeah. Um, well, Dave Chappelle coolest because I I grew up with with the Chappelle show and and I and I really respect his stand up and and where he 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 lies on social issues. Um, I mean, if you're not into soccer, it wouldn't be David Beckham. You could be five; it doesn't mean you don't like him. I didn't want to present I, it like the fifth is an asshole. I I would put David Beckham second just because I I've I've followed his career and I just think he's a he's a good dude and he's been very smart and strategic. I think he landed a very intelligent woman. Um, uh, Bowie Hasselhoff and Copperfield. Um, I would say Bowie, although I I I, do, I don't really listen to his music, but just feeling, just seeing every how everybody was impacted when he passed. He passed away, you, correct? He passed away two years ago. I'm going to send yeah. you my top five uh, and, Bowie and songs. I, and then I would this. go uh, Copperfield because I like Magic, mm-hmm. and and then Hasselhoff. But no offense to Hasselhoff, I just uh, <laughs> he's, he's still- just more of a silly guy, you know. I don't think he had. He probably had a lot more impact on people from his generation. Uh, basketball or football? I um, I like watching football. Pasta or steak? Steak. White jerseys for home or away? <clears throat> or away? So did, did you like old school when it was white jerseys at home or do you like the dark? I think you have an advantage uh, wearing the whites. Because I feel that you blend in more with the, the ice and the boards, therefore harder to defend. Like, wow, what a great answer. Hockey's so peripheral and it's so fast it that, that, you, that, 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 that can blend in and sometimes that split second of getting lost can, can work to your advantage. Wow. So I think that, I think that it's, it's easier to see dark jerseys on the ice. So I think that, that that's an advantage. Never heard that perspective. I love it. So you've got a few days off. Okay. 
do you go city bar hopping or do you go to a country getaway? Do you relax or do you go hard? I I have I don't I don't necessarily I don't like to party anymore. I like I I love uh, I like to go hiking. I like to spend time with my dog and my girlfriend. So, so the I evolution just, I see on Instagram is is real. Yes, it's real. It's very real. Yeah, I I I and and I'm grateful for where everything's. Br- br- I I got all of that out of, out of my system. I'm just not. I have no interest in in going to to party. And I, I the last place I want to be in is. I mean, there there's a certain time and place for it to be in a club celebrating something with your friends. But I, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, much rather be on a, on a hike at, uh, in, in, in Utah or, or wherever. You'll have to take your girl over here next time. We're known for great hiking trails. Okay. Well, I will. Uh, and finally, Tragically Hip or Blue Rodeo? Oh, Tragically Hip all day. Now, last, your, la- this last thing I'd like to know, I want to end on a, a positive coaching memory. Coaches have taken a shit-knocking in the media lately, and even coaches that are hard on people like Mike Babcock, I have, he coached against me, but I know people like Jason Podolan that, that worked well under him, and I'm not seeking up for Mike Babcock or Michelle Terrian or any of them, but I'm just saying a couple of years ago to now, there's been all kinds of, of negative backlash on coaches. And I like to remind people that a lot of them, even the worst ones I had, I had great days with. Do you have a great coaching positive story or memory? My favorite coach was Mike Stuthers and he was probably the hardest coach on me. Okay. And, and, and he, and he was, he was, you know, so there's this argument that, that uh, people who disagree in, in, in some people's approaches and we'll get to Babcock after I talk about Stuthers. Um, where they're like, oh yeah, of course, of course they're going to like that because people who were, they would use the term abused always like they'll make excuses for them. And, and that's kind of, and I'm like, no, I, I genuinely feel that, that, that accountability and, and that whatever it is they instilled in me led me down the path that it has. And, and I'm grateful for it that's my personal experience. Now, somebody who's a lot more sensitive, who couldn't handle that type of like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like we talked about this in practice. Well, it's obvious that maybe you weren't listening to the thing and he, and, and he's got to manage all these different personalities and da, da, da. And yes, is there a different way to handle it and do other types of coaches handle it differently? Sure. But my experience was, I felt that that accountability that was instilled into me has, I've brought that into other um, sectors of my life and which ha- I feel that it's helped me, it's benefited me. And I, and I always, I always rave about Stuthers and, and that, you know, early when I had him in junior, it, it, it I was like, Holy shit. You know, I, I, there, there was a, a I don't want to say lived in fear, but you, you know, if you didn't want to make mistakes, which is, which, which is, which is fair. Right now. He also, he also didn't have it didn't seem like he had the same tactics as Babcock with the mind games. If you knew, you knew exactly where you sat with him. And if you had an issue, you could go into his office and you could have a conversation man to man. Now, from some of the things I've heard about Babcock is, is, you know, there were maybe some mind games in there and, and, and it was like, there was some, some shitty doings. I mean, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that interview with Franzen and that's, that's hard to watch. Right. Yeah, I heard Chelios talking about that. On, and Ch- uh, yeah, like Chelios, like your- I would never, like Stuthers would have never disrespected a, a legend like that. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think. I, I don't think he, he would. Well, that's great. You know. Well, look, Biz, if if you're in this position you're in now, and he's one of your biggest influences, he did something right. So I won't hold you any longer. I really appreciate it, and you know I like the Beatles. I'm gonna leave you with three Beatles quotes now. Nothing's gonna change my world from across the universe. 
And nothing I, I like to use your your you're very confident. Nothing is going to change your world from from the point of your your rock. Your nucleus is biz. All I'm going to do is experience, learn and try to get better. But I'm not going to go backward. I love that. Two, I get by with a little help my, from my friends. I find you're like a metaphor for what works in a hockey dressing room, right? It's no fluke. You're doing what you do now. You're unique. You're an individual. And that definitely drives you. And that's what makes you biz and makes you successful. But you're also, and I think this about all four of you guys on Spit and Chicklets and everybody that has something to do with it, that you, you get by with a little help from your friends. You're, you're, you're good oh, yeah. in a team atmosphere, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I, wouldn't, uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am without those You're guys. a great individual that's better in a team, the, 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 the sum of the parts of the teams that you're on, including Spit and Chicklets, always succeed uh, more than the individual. And finally, I'm going to end with six words and talking about pandemic and everything. We're in the spring right now. Clocks went ahead. There's more light. The vaccine's on the way. Yeah. And George Harrison yeah. wrote for the wonderful Abbey Road album, which I'm also going to send you. Uh, Here comes the sun. It's all right. Oh, shit. Oh, I know you love the Beatles, buddy. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, th thanks for having me on. And, uh, and going back to that, uh, that movie question, mm. I think uh. it would be, uh, I think Forrest Gump would be a good answer. Wow. That's a fantastic answer. Were you subconsciously thinking of that? I forgot that I even asked it. Wow, that that there's why the biz is one of the best in the biz right there. I'll leave it on that. Great answer. I'll see you in Forrest Gump tonight in my dreams. Hey, uh, tell your tell your old man I said hello, and I'm really looking forward to, to being back there and seeing you guys. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to that, too. See you, buddy. Good man, buddy. Thanks for having me. Thanks again. And there you have it, folks. What a guy. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that most of my audience, if you're listening to podcasts and you're listening to this one, which is a hockey podcast, and you like hockey podcasts, then you're well familiar with uh, Paul Bissonnette. But um, I wanted to ask him some, some things off the cuff because I often hear that I, I, people like biz. I, I, don't, I don't hear much bad. I, I just don't think we always get – he's an open book, but we don't know the backstory of a lot of – people like that um even though it's there if you want because biz talks about everything but i think people get so hung up on the the uh x-rated stuff or because it shocks or or is fighting because you know that's always gets remembered in hockey you know the fights the the in your face stuff the the biz does bbc you know he's kind of doing a shtick but but, he, but he's good at all of it but there's a real down to earth like slow burn side of biz that you can kind of put together from listening to spitting chicklets but th th there's nuances in there i guess that i like people to see because he's very unselfish think about how, how busy he is okay so if it, biz if he wanted he's getting at it, asked for to do interviews all over north america by tsn espn whoever it might be and um would still you know be there for his buddies i'm not saying i'm a tiny podcast now we're, we're getting to go with pocky podcast network tales with tr we're we're improving we're doing well but it largely because of people like biz that come on uh you know there's a there's a long distance in between where i am and where spitting chicklets is even though uh we're successful here but um I, I just want to reiterate that. It's an hour and a half of the busiest man's 
that I know, uh, the busiest man's time. So I guess point being that the guy is unselfish and uh, he really is a true friend. And when he came over here, we had a great time, to be honest. And not like a Newfoundland drunken, crazy time either. I mean, you would think that. I went out and got on stage and everything, but it really wasn't a big party weekend. It was more like get to know Newfoundland, come down to the basement. We ate at some nice restaurants. We had a great time, right? Uh, so I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, I want to give a shout out this week to uh, the wi wildness, the wildness. It's uh, my buddy, Jeremy Charles, you know, one of the greatest chefs on the planet. Uh, who I don't talk about enough anymore. We got to get him on here. But uh, those who read my books and know who I am to any degree know that Jeremy is a big part of my life. One of my best friends always has been Probably my best buddy really over the course of my life. Um, and uh, anyway, it's, it's a great book. It's, it really is uh, in many ways, you know, it's not just your typical cookbook. It's a lot of the Newfoundland cuisine and the terrain and, um, it's very interesting if you're into geography, if you're into cooking, of course, but, you know, the Newfoundland heritage, geography, uh, I guess, geography, you don't have to be into geography. I mean, he kind of explains the wilderness and relates it to you from a Newfoundland perspective, amongst other things. The book is very, very deep for being a, I won't say a cookbook put together by a chef. Let's say that. Uh, Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. Check it out. PennyPoshDesigns.com, I believe. Anyhow, it's my ex-wife, Danielle. She's got great products. The hoodies are out of this world. I mean it. They're normally $129.99, uh, but if you order now, she will give them to you for give them. She will sell them to you for $69.99, and I'll throw in a couple of pictures, one of me, one of my father, uh, and for just an extra 20 so $89.99, I'll throw in a copy of my new book. How's that? Uh, always check out. We're getting back to Alert 3, which means things are getting back to normal here, so check out Green Sleeves downtown and uptown. Um, what else? Oh, Fights, Film, and Folklore. If you'd like a copy of my book, shoot me a note, terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like a memo, so I'm sure you know what memo is, M-E-M-M-O dot C-A or whatever. I think it's a Canadian-Swedish company. In any case, it's like Cameo. I do chirps, motivational speeches. What I do anything, whatever, whatever you'd like. Um, it's interesting. I've, I, I was curious getting into there if I'd ever get anybody that wanted one, but people really like the chirps and the motivational stuff. So and I just do what I used to do in the dressing rooms. It's there. Uh, my buddies, Shane Corson and Darcy Tucker also do it. If you're a Leaps fan, uh, check into that. Oh, and uh, DraftKings. Okay. Once again, it's been a, uh, it's been a hoot. I love catching up with my buddies and uh, for the biz nasty himself to come on. My podcast was truly an honor. Uh, he's a good buddy, but uh, like I said, I'm sure his time is precious, and there you have it. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope you all are feeling some positive vibes heading into spring, 
And eventually summer, the days are longer. The sun is shining. The vaccines are coming. Here comes the sun. It's all right. See you next week.